Welcome to a very special bonus episode of Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast. My name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger, and introducing our first Aether guest is my very dear friend, Sadie Lancrete. <laughs> Hello, thank you, guys. It's an honor. Yay. It's okay that you did forget my name. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was debating letting you say it, and I fucked up. It's okay. All right, I fucked up. It's our okay. First go- our first, I almost said our first ghost. <laughs> our first guest, and I fucked up. AJ's our first ghost. I am excited to see who our first ghost is going to be. Yeah. Who do you think? Don't wait till midnight. Which <laughs> hold a which, candle by the window. <laughs> which uncle from Casper is going to appear at midnight? <laughs> I think it's stinky. <laughs> Sorry, the show's canceled. I brought up Casper's uncles, unprompted. <laughs> um, well, as you can tell from the uh, MP3 file you've downloaded to your handheld device, uh, today we're talking about The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. It is a uh, game that we have wanted to talk about at length for a very long time. When we started this podcast, Steven had just bought a Nintendo Switch home entertainment system, uh, and with it, Zelda Breath of the Wild. So we never really got to dive in uh, too fully, but here we are. You have now finished it, which is very exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we thought now is kind of a good time to revisit it. I have started playing it again. I got a little, got kind of far into it again, which is really nice. And Sadie, how how far into it have you gotten? Did you I, finish it? I have beaten the game. Wow, um, hell yeah! But I, you know, I, I have gotten back into revisiting it since I was uh, invited to this uh, honorable session. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so Revisited some of my favorite uh, nooks and crannies. Of Hyrule. But yeah, I, I started it back when I first got my Switch, which I believe was August of last year. Mm. Uh, a lot was going on back then. I just like had a big move um, and I kind of just moved into playing Breath of the Wild. <laughs> but I beat the game probably around like early October, I would say. Yeah, you quickly became like my go to master of Hyrule, honestly, like within <laughs> minutes, I would say. Uh, and I wanted I, I, I want you on the show for a variety of reasons, but I thought it would be fun to kind of compare our, our mutual experiences with it, because I think we all entered this game with a very different like background with Zelda and with video games in general. Um, so I guess, Sadie, to start off, like I know this uh, was like kind of your first foray like into like really deep diving into playing a game like start to finish, kind of seeing everything you can. Like, yeah, I would love just to hear about that experience and like how that's carried you into now like exploring more of the Switch library. Absolutely. So I when I first bought my Switch, I was like a, a single issue Switch purchaser because I was like, <laughs> oh, I am really excited for Pokemon Sword. Uh, yeah. And I was, you know, hyping myself up for that because I hadn't. You know, I wasn't someone who had a lot of gaming experience. Like I didn't, I wasn't raised with gaming systems. I was just playing Nancy Drew PC games and Spider Solitaire. I mean, um, that rules though. Like that's I kind mean, of the. It taught yeah. me all my tricks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Mysteries so, and spiders. Yeah, but you know, it, it's really interesting because uh, now Breath of the Wild has become something much more than I had ever thought it was going to be for me. Um, it's absolutely my favorite game I think I've ever played. And, you know, I haven't played that many games, but I really feel really a deep connection to it. And it kind of started off just as a placeholder while I was waiting for Pokemon to come out. Mm. Yeah. And um, my roommate at the time, Eric, a uh, friend of the pod, 
Tired. I'm not. I'm the guest on the pod, so I can't just crown people friend of the pod. No, you can. I, I think I've referenced you and Eric probably more times than anything anyone else on this show. So you can absolutely. You okay, have the cool. crowning power. I just crown Eric. That's it. Um, Hi, Eric. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, he lent it to me, and I almost was just like, well, maybe I'll get to this someday. And I'm really glad that just, I guess, one day I was tired of thinking about decorating my apartment and I started playing it and I was just like really hooked. Um, I'd been really intimidated by those kind of games. And I say those kind of games, I mean like really big open world things that involve combat because that's, you know, my my only foray into video games that are combat based was besides like casual smash uh, would be Kingdom Hearts in which the combat is absolutely something <laughs> I wouldn't call combat. <laughs> <laughs> it's more of a roller coaster. It's fun though. It was it was, yeah, it was it, a lot. It's theater. They were yeah. all, had a lot of great different colors. That's <laughs> my review of Kingdom Hearts 3. It's inviting yeah, your friends over to look at colors. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I you know, it was it was a really cool experience as someone who doesn't have a ton of experience um, with this game, just sort of realizing like, oh, this is extremely deeply my shit. Um, just to get immersed in this world and be a little elf guy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I try to embody how... that in my everyday. <laughs> I yeah. Could you actually? That brings up my favorite costume you had. I think was it for Halloween or for C two E two? I think, I, think you know I, I wore it at both. I, yeah, I I had a costume that was linked in, uh, and it was oh a, my god. It was Link, but you know, he was wearing like a green suit, and I had business cards <laughs> that just had the, the URL for LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it had and a also, little Triforce on the front, and then I, it also had a resume. <laughs> I would unfold uh, laboriously and show to people at parties, and they're like, "I'm just trying to get trash," and I'm like, "Please look at my funny little resume I wrote, <laughs> where I just wrote, huh, huh, huh. <laughs> just that typed it out." Um, but yeah, so and I, I honestly I made that before I. <laughs> Playing Breath of the Wild, and I was that like, was your original like, oh, Zelda yeah. experience. Was LinkedIn right? I had dabbled in Wind Waker. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But I think I am not someone with a ton of patience, and it felt like uh, it it wasn't as intuitive with the controls. I think for me, as Breath sure. of the Wild ended up being, because um, I think you start a little bit more from the ground up with uh, Breath of the Wild and learning how oh, to do yeah. things, and it's it feels more natural. And I was it was sort of like a good learning experience for me to be learning the game as Link learns how to fucking do anything in Hyrule. <laughs> That's a great point because like you're both starting with the same knowledge set. Like, you know, yeah. you're you're literally handed a stick and told to cook an apple. No one's like, oh, you're the chosen hero. They're like, you're just a dude who lost real bad a hundred years ago. Like, get in shape. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and I think that's interesting how that can unite with the player's perspective of, like, being brand new to the world as well. And I think they, they follow through on that with some of the plot, with, like, finding the memories. And, like, by the end, it, it's, it's like you have actually become Link and not just told you are. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and- that's awesome. Uh, just a quick side note about the LinkedIn costume. That was the same Halloween where I showed up to a party with no costume and Sadie handed me a cap that said, thank God I'm a country boy with a oh, raccoon yes. tail and said, you're Uncle Jessup. And that was my costume. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Jessup was an icon. Uh, he was. <laughs> I think he would be a Zelda NPC that like you you like find a, a hearty radish for him and he gives you 50 rubies and that's it. That would be his yeah. role in the world. 
But every time you, you run by, he goes, Oi! <laughs> you find a skeleton like, yeah in the time jump he's just yep he went out you know sometimes um, it's better to burn bright than fatal yeah I was thinking the same thing I think we all felt Uncle quiet because we were all Uncle Jessup wherever you want <laughs> Uncle Jessup burned too bright boy did he love his hearty radishes didn't cook him though just ate him what a waste um oh my god that's amazing uh, Brendan, I, I'd love to hear just you know, while we go around with our experience going in. I know you mentioned like again, this is kind of an interesting episode because this is something we have alluded to our experiences Zelda and with Breath of the Wild, but you know haven't dived into directly. So like, I remember yeah. you saying that your first one was uh, Twilight Princess. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, the The first Nintendo system I ever got was the Nintendo Wii. I got uh, Twilight Princess the day it came out. And uh, I just remember inviting like 10 people over to my house. and We all just like crowded around like a small CRT just to like play Zelda. Uh, and it was amazing. I mean, that, that was the first time I'd ever really gotten to experience the thing that I kept hearing about for years and years because everybody I knew had been playing Ocarina and Majora's Mask and things like that. And, and Link to the Past and all those things. Uh, so it was like the first time that a Zelda experience had felt like mine, I guess. Um, and by the sure. time I was done, that was one of those situations where I had done everything you possibly could because I had a lot of time because I was, I don't know, 15, maybe younger. I don't even know what <laughs> age I was at that point. But I was just, you know, in in middle school or high school or whatever, uh, and just had like as much time as necessary to ha- unlock every single thing in that game, uh, which was awesome. And then since then, I have gone back and played pretty much all of them. I'm trying to think. I, I didn't play Four Swords. I think that's the only one I didn't play because uh, I didn't have like the weird adapter you need to like plug it into like an old purple Game Boy Advance and like, I don't know, run around dungeons on a, on a GBA. Um, it was such a social ask of Nintendo to be like, bring headgear for your Game Boy right. Advance to the yeah. playground and get three willing participants. Yeah, <laughs> like, you just, yeah it just never worked out. Really weird. Um, but I, I have played, I think, mostly all of them uh, since then. I, I went back and checked them all out um, just via like emulators, virtual console, things like that. Um, I remember there was there was like a, a pre-order bonus for Wind Waker on GameCube where if you pre-ordered it, they gave you a GameCube disc that had the original on it. I think Ocarina and Majora's Mask. Oh, yeah. And they were like harder. That was like really hard to get. It was only for like a couple weeks that that was a thing. Yeah. And on the front, it said in huge yellow letters, not for resale. And I bought it used at a GameStop once. (laughs) And that was how I played all the games that were on that, Um, which was a great experience, to be totally honest. Um, But yeah, I've played um, just about all of them at this point. I mean, Zelda Twilight Princess specifically was one of those things where playing it was like, so it so immediately evoked the thing that I un- that I kind of understood but had never really experienced firsthand about Nintendo games where everyone was like, yeah, they're just so far beyond what everyone else is doing in terms of just like levels of quality and levels of narrative and, and immersion and all of the things that you love about video games like they are kind of at the forefront of it. Um, so like pairing that with the Wii, having the, the absolutely bizarre remote for that uh, and like going like this, like fighting Ganon was like so <laughs> stupid and incredible <laughs> that, uh, that that I, I immediately locked into it and just kind of became a Nintendo fan. Like that was how I became a fan of Nintendo games was through Twilight Princess. Um, you know, going back and playing 
All the other ones were just kind of icing on it. Um, but I, I think it wasn't until A Link Between Worlds on the 3DS that, that that was like really the one that locked it in for me is like, this is maybe one of my favorite video game franchises. Um, that This is like one of the best things I've ever played. Um, and we've talked about that game at length on the show. But just to reiterate, I mean, that feels like the test bed for what Breath of the Wild turned into, like that yeah. game being basically completely open, taking a link to the past and doing like a, a reboot and a remake simultaneously, uh, allowing you to tackle any dungeon in any order, giving you all of the items and all the tools at your disposal immediately was like so forward thinking and so interesting and taking all of the things that were kind of prevalent in modern game design and just applying them to a thing that felt like it couldn't be retrofitted. Um, but they managed to do it and pull it off in a way that I thought was like really, really uh, spectacular. And uh, that leads us to Breath of the Wild, which somehow I think has leapfrogged that even. Um, yeah. But yeah, that, that's that, awesome. The long and short of it was Twilight <laughs> Princess was my into Nintendo, I guess. Yeah. I think I mentioned uh, for me that like I was born and my older sister had a, NES and we had like Duck Hunt and Mario so like there was never a time where it wasn't right in front of me mm -hmm. uh, I had no choice I my fate was sealed and it was always a big uh, you know Mario fan and, and Kirby and Donkey Kong all that don't get me started on Cranky Kong um, <laughs> but uh, for Zelda my I don't think I've actually talked about this my first experience with Zelda it was Ocarina of Time before I bought it it was in the waiting room of my orthodontist uh, there was an N64 setup, which is like the dream yeah. for any any soul, poor soul getting braces in sixth grade. Uh, I was waiting to get either my braces on or off. And there was just actually, no, I was even younger. It was like eight, maybe even seven because it was you know, 1997. Waiting room, orthodontist, a copy of Ocarina of Time just like there to be played. And what was really bizarre is that like everyone just sort of played the same save file. So it seemed like such mm. an ethereal, unreal, dreamlike game because I only got kind of blips and moments and I didn't really know there was any objective because like yeah. usually in the waiting room, it was just like in Hyrule Village where like everyone's singing and dancing. And then if you went into church, it became full of zombies, which is like <laughs> a really formative experience of my reluctance to go to church at a young age. Uh, <laughs> But that was like, I was just so allured. I'm like, what? Because that was the first game where it wasn't just like go from left to right or like get to some end goal. It was mm -hmm. like, and, and I think that's something that Zelda has always done to the limits of the hardware. And Breath of the Wild was the first time they like actually did it with everything that, that was available to create this world that like you can just exist in without there being like a concrete go here, do this thing. Obviously, there's like an A plot, but like it's up to you on how you get there and, and when and why. So I eventually got it for myself and like alongside like Final Fantasy 7, Ocarina of Time, it came out like I think the same year, just miraculous. But those wow. were the two games that like showed me that games could tell a story unique to them. And something that I really appreciate at Ocarina of Time in particular, I think like that has set the foundation for the 3D Zeldas. Oddly enough, I've gone back and played like Link to the Past and, and all the older Zeldas. And while I really like them, I don't gravitate to them as much as the 3D Zeldas because the 2D Zeldas are more concentrated about the like dungeon experience. Yeah. And the 3D ones are a lot more about like the story and the characters, at least in my opinion. But Ocarina of Time is, is kind of a story about about like growing up too quickly and playing it as a kid you're always excited to grow up like you get the master sword and, and seven years fly by and now you're an adult and you have cool equipment but like as an adult playing it it's kind of bittersweet where like you realize in real life how quickly that time passes 
and yeah. how places he went to as a kid are kind of distorted now. I, I find that story really timelessly applicable. And like, I think later Zelda games have done better things mechanically with that formula but to me the the like quintessential zelda story has always been ocarina of time and i think breath of the wild like even more than twilight princess which is considered like ocarina 2 breath of the wild captures that feeling of nostalgia um in the sense that like time has passed but it's already passed and you're just living in it you know yeah uh and and there's a lot of there's and we'll get into that as we talk more about the game but that was my form of experience was the orthodontist waiting room <laughs> and I'm playing really it. curious like, the the communal game do you think anybody ever finished it like it <laughs> I really wonder because it's kind of almost like Twitch plays Pokemon but more like yeah. you know toddlers with headgear and braces It almost it almost sounds time. like an art installation it almost sounds like that should be in the middle of a right. park somewhere <laughs> Yeah maybe it wasn't a real thing cuz I had braces for forever they were like you're lucky, baby. Uh, actually, I was called Babe for some reason. My orthodontist called me Babe. Whatever. Let's talk more about that. <laughs> <laughs> you're lucky, babe. You're getting. I got my braces on when I was nine. You're lucky, babe. You're getting them on, and you're gonna get them off when most kids are getting them. No deal, Doc. I got. I had braces from age nine to fourteen. Uh, it was wow. a rough time, wow. but now, now whenever one, anyone compliments my teeth, I'm like, good. This should look great because I <laughs> I wore this for most of my life. Thank also you. I worked for this. Teeth, I <laughs> I worked for this. I beat uh, uh, the Dongo's Cavern uh, with these in 1999. I went to a spooky church. <laughs> I went to a scary church, and then a girl from the farm was mean to me. <laughs> So yeah, beauty is pain. <laughs> so yeah, you know, nostalgia and growing up. Anyway, oh my god. So yeah, uh, Breath of the Wild. I think this is something <laughs> like like you said, Brendan. I got this. Uh, I got this right when we started the show. I'd played it uh, not too dissimilar from my orthodontist experience with uh, <laughs> Ocarina because it was kind of segmented because my roommate had a Wii U and I played Breath of the Wild first on the Wii U, but it stopped working. Like certain quests it would get a disc error. And I was like, huh, I guess I'm just going to raise horses. Um, and then years later, August, I think of 2018, I got my switch and I got breath of the wild and was like in, but that was also like right when our show started. So I kind of felt like a little bit flippant with where I was spending my time. Cause we were talking about games like Octopath Traveler and like a lot was coming out that year. So I never felt like breath of the wild got the soul attention. It became a game that I went to in between things. And until recently where I really got to dive back in, and, and finish the core campaign. And uh, yeah, I just, I loved it. I guess like um, we we have in the latter part of the episode, we have a bunch of questions that you all asked that are great. We got a lot of them. <laughs> uh, I did not include all of them, but I included a lot of really good ones and most of them. So I hope all of you who ask questions are happy with that. But I have a um, question. Before we get to, the, yeah. Uh, I guess this is for, for Sadie, because I, I had this experience. Um, was revisiting the game like going back to a place that you remembered or was did you need to like relearn everything? You know, I didn't leave a huge amount of space between times that I've kind of picked it up. Yeah. But I will say, you know, jumping back into it felt mostly natural. Like the muscle memory didn't mm -hmm. really go away. Uh, that was really ingrained for me. I had one thing that was really surprising after, you know, beating the game and then coming back to it later um, was that I was still finding things that were absolutely brand new to me. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I was just playing it on a little bit like 
look out into the distance. I see see a place, put a marker there, go run there, mm-hmm. run and jump over there. And then, you know, it was like suddenly I like found the horse god was there. And I was like, how did I miss this guy? He's great. <laughs> yeah. I went this whole time without meeting the horse god. And of course, there's what? There's like 800 Koroks to find, maybe more. Right. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> so I'm still finding those. Um, but yeah, it's nice. It felt, it felt like sliding right back into my day-to-day yeah. in Hyrule. <laughs> I, had, I had a weird experience where I think there was enough time between when I last picked it up and now where I really felt again like Link waking up in the in the vet, like the Matrix vat tank thing uh, with no memory. <laughs> like, I really did need to relearn. I, eventually, I got to the point where I, I think I was feeling comfortable again, but I needed to relearn what was happening and where things were uh, for a second time, which I was kind of really surprised by. And honestly, it's kind of been that dream because I, I just remember like after, I don't know, a couple months of that game being out, there were a lot of people tweeting out like, man, I really wish I could wipe my memory and play this game again fresh. And that's kind of what it felt like to be revisiting it three years later, which was kind of a kind of a great thing. I, I never finished the game either. Um, so there is a bunch of stuff that is still new to me, which is really great. Um, it, it's it's awesome to be able to uh, to to find new stuff still because that world. I mean, when I started playing the game initially, my first move was as soon as I got off the Great Plateau, I just went and found and climbed every single tower before I did literally anything else. They were like, OK, go. Uh, I think that w- what's the first thing you're supposed to do? You're supposed to go talk to Impa, right? That's, that's the yeah, first go quest. find Impa. I was like, nope, no, thank you. Uh, I'm just going to go <laughs> find all these towers and I'm going to see the whole map first um, and I'm going to unlock you know, the whole thing and then I'll go find Impa. That is such a, a pro move. I so I as soon as I got off the Great Plateau, I I guess I just missed the part where I learned what those towers were. And I got really far away from the Great Plateau without climbing up one of the mm. towers. <laughs> and then I, I, was, I, I think I was talking to, to you, Steven, and Eric, being like, how do you guys know where anything is? And <laughs> you're like, wait, show me what your game looks like. And it was embarrassing. <laughs> It was, it was like, like Sadie, where are you? Map. You're just in the abyss. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, though, it is easy to miss. And uh, my roommate, Bobby, also had the same thing. Where like, he actually, <laughs> talking about a pro move, Bobby just went right to Hyrule Castle with no map. <laughs> and like, and I, I was watching him play, and I'm like, this game looks impossible. He has like a stick. He's running out of breath, and there's like eight lasers on him. <laughs> um, but like, that's, and that's, I think the beauty of it is like, it is easy to miss that, but you can still have like a really, you're not doing anything wrong. It's just like a, a different experience, you know? And I think even though like I think clearing up the map is like supremely helpful, I also find that this game really shines with like getting rid of the the like interface altogether where it's like just Link totally. in the world. Yeah. Because there are so many visual cues of like, you know, if it's too cold and you have to change your into something warmer or drink a, a you know, warming elixir, um, you can do that because you can see him shivering. Uh, and I and I find that like you take out the kind of like gamier menu stuff and like you can really get lost in this world. It's so it's so beautiful and purposeful that. But yeah, it is like that that tutorial on the Great Plateau, like when he does the map thing, it is easy to miss. I, I wouldn't feel too bad. It about is a that. long tutorial, um, especially replaying it 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 took what it's like four ish hours for me to do it the second time um I, I can't even imagine how long it took me to do it the first time but i think it was like three to four entire hours and there's so much 
exposition and and mechanic like weight getting thrown at you all simultaneously mm-hmm. uh that by the time you jump off the great plateau it's like oh thank god that's over it's more of like a right. <laughs> i just want to be off this fucking rock <laughs> That's also, I think, the hardest the game ever feels, at least for me. Like, I don't know if, if either of you felt like it was easier for you to do the Great Plateau, but, like, you just have so little resources that, like, I feel like I died the most in that yeah, time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, totally. But it is kind of brilliant for them to just give you all the tools immediately. Whereas in A Link, to, uh, a Link Between Worlds, they give you a little store that you can buy all the tools at so you can, you know, buy them and then go to the corresponding dungeon and take out that dungeon. Um, them just giving you all of the tools that you will have throughout the entire game right at the beginning and just saying like hey this might be kind of a bummer for like two hours but then because you have all of this knowledge ingrained in you it'll allow you to explore the world in a greater capacity than you would have been able to before it's it's kind of a a, a genius move um to just Mm -hmm. say like why are we withholding this from people like to look back at the previous zelda games and say wouldn't it be more fun if you had the hook shot the whole time and then just like giving people the bombs you know right from the beginning i think is way more interesting and more fun um, and kind of allows you to engage with the world literally however you want at any point and and really just kind of uh, achieve something that i think the other games were kind of incapable of because it felt like you were growing in a way um just because you were acquiring things whereas in this game you are you feel that same sense of growth, but it's almost coming from within to get a little bit like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, weird, but no, for a little sure. bit mushy about it. But like you literally feel almost like a like a Dark Souls or something. You almost feel yourself mastering the world um, instead of just being able to master it because you got a thing that shoots a fucking claw out on a chain, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. I I think that was one of the things that made the biggest difference for me as someone who, you know, was not uh, very experienced as a gamer, um, not super comfortable with controllers even. I was like everybody's great aunt Mm. trying to send an email. Um, But the the tutorial and the way that it is set up and that feeling of growing from within is it's not just mushy. I mean, it was just like, it was very cool. It felt like a door opening for me, not just in game, but like, feel like it gave me tools to like, oh, you know, I I could do this. I'm not just bad at video games. I just haven't given the time to grow and learn into one. Mm. And I found it to be really encouraging. So, yeah. That's awesome. I really love that. Cause I, I hate that that, that, that uh, we talk about this a lot of like, sometimes the more like exclusionary aspects of like the culture around video games and just like, you know, not growing up with it. And, and there are a lot of things that could be intimidating, like you, like you brought up. And I'm glad that this game is accessible and inspiring without like even necessarily catering to one audience. Like it's somehow universal in that way, which is really cool. Um, I'm really glad you had that experience. It's awesome. And I think Me too. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad you're here. This is great. Uh, I'm getting mushy now. It's coming from within. Like um, a big apple. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, just real quick on the points you both made of like uh, boss fights and getting items. Something that I actually struggled with in this game was like remembering all the tools in my disposal. Mm. Um, but I think what's cool is that like there really isn't ever one route to victory, even in the shrines, like or even in the Divine Beast, where it's the most kind of Zelda dungeony. 
like there are so many ways to 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 be creative with like your various powers um and that's something that i appreciate because like you said it's like oh i am figuring this out i figured out that if i can use magnesis and drop a box over a goblin's head that that's like more effective than any of my weapons um yeah. or you know and i think it's better than you know like you said in past zelda games it'd be like you're in a dungeon you get a bow and then the boss is like a giant eyeball who's like i bet you don't know my hidden weakness <laughs> it's like okay you're Winked just with my eye. one eye yeah or like <laughs> i'm a dude made of rocks who sure hates bombs i hope you don't find out <laughs> um and like there's 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 good design in that too because I think in the in like Ocarina every every temple is kind of designed to teach you a tool that you end up using through the whole game. But I think later entries and I love Twilight Princess, but Twilight Princess I think fell into this the hardest where a lot of the items you got were awesome. There's that weird like steampunk surfboard that's just like a gear. Yeah, uh, and then so you good. have the wand that that makes statues turn to life, but you only really use them in that temple and then never again. Yeah. So, like, that's something that I think Breath of the Wild does really well, where they give you, like... I think it's understated how, like, (laughs) no one in the world comments that Link is, like, Magneto and Iceman. (laughs) Like, in addition (laughs) to everything else. You just have these powers that you can kind of pull out of a hat. He's Um, a great cook. He's a great... (laughs) What can he do? He's got it all. cook, Magneto. Hyrule's most eligible bachelor. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, but, uh, yeah, I, I think, I think that's, and I think that's a good lesson of like what makes a game accessible is like not having the sense of progression esoteric in the way of like, you have to master a combo the game is telling you. But like we said, like, it's just, it's giving you all the tools and you figure out how you want to play. And that's the thing too, like this game, like you could spend hundreds of hours and not even touch the main plot, which like. Yeah. Would be a shame because I think the story is something that really moved me. And I think like is the best it's ever been. Like I think Zelda has always kind of been a series that has really interesting elements, but is varied in execution. Um, I think Wind Waker is probably the the first Zelda game that like had really cool scenes and dialogue. And, and like I feel like Wind Waker was the first time Link and Zelda got like a little bit more characterization because mm-hmm. like Zelda was this like cool, sassy pirate girl and Link like kind of didn't want to be Link. His grandma's like, put this on. You'll look handsome. And he's like, oh, I don't want to wear like the ancient hero's clothes. I'm not this guy. <laughs> they smell like I mean, moths. <laughs> Wind Waker is interesting because that's a game where, where uh, Link, Zelda, and Ganon almost don't want to be their respective parts yeah. uh ganon is almost more like a machiavellian villain I mean, he's still very much evil but he's his whole thing is like the gods have abandoned us i should just be in charge and rule us into into a golden era but of course he also loves goblins and skeletons so like <laughs> his golden era is is spooky zombie church um uh <laughs> and link and zelda kind of like accept that like this is their destiny and, and that their future can be different Whereas Breath of the Wild is a lot about um, Zelda and Link doubting that they can fulfill the role that they're prophesized to fill. And I have to say, having seen all the hidden memories in the main plot, like this is by far my favorite version of Zelda herself. Like she's so... I love like everything they do with her and and a lot of the hidden memories are about her doubting both Link and doubting herself and 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 having these scenes of just like utter defeat. I really like the scene where she is in the castle with Link 
and they're looking at the guardians, which like, you know, you know, as a player become these really feared enemies, but at the time they're trying to make them fight Ganon. Uh, and the King walks in and he's like, stop pretending to be a scientist. Like, don't you know how they gossip about you? And whenever Zelda <sighs> talks back, the focus is on her fist, like just clenched. Yeah. And I'm like, that's such a cool, like, I never thought a Zelda game would have good cinematography, like, in, in dialogue, but it does. And when she finally gets, ah, uh, I'm getting I'm getting chills. When she finally gets to use her powers, it's like, oh, my God, she has it. Like, yeah. you have that, you have what, what could be a very predictable scene ends up being such a relief. And, and in the end, like, when you fight Ganon, she's the one who kills him. Like, it, it really, at finishing it, it's almost like this is more Zelda's story, and Link is kind of like the lens in which you learn about what happened to the champions and to Zelda. Um, Mm. I thought what was cool too, is there's a line right before you fight Ganon as like a giant boar. And Zelda says like, you may not have found all your strength or all your memories, which is kind of nodding to like, you can fight Ganon whenever. So it's the game being like, you might not have done anything. You can fight him like your roommate did with a stick. (laughs) With a stick. And no memories. (laughs) (laughs) Hearing who who Ganon is and just being like, this guy sounds freaking awful. I'm going to go over there right now and kick his ass. Hey, I got to stick him 100 years old. What's the most that can happen? Um, but she says something like, uh, courage need not be remembered because it's never forgotten. I'm like, ah, I love you, Zelda. This is so good. She's so um, good. <sighs> yeah. Uh, we love Zelda here. Um, and also, like, having, we talk about this a lot, where, like, having moments of downtime to endear yourself to the world. And, like, what always struck out to me is, like, because even though Hyrule's in a bad place, it's a very lovely setting, and you really fall in love with it right away. Yeah, this is the thing but, that I wrote about in, in the um, the newsletter a bunch and have talked about a lot on this show, and this is why my game ended the way it did for me, but the, the thing that I... I think connected to most with this game and and the thing that honestly like not not to bring current world events into this shit but like it feels so apt right now to be playing this game again I highly recommend playing this game again like right now uh, if it's been a while for you but the biggest thing that has always stuck with me is that like the bad guy won a hundred years before you started playing like the world is in a post-apocalypse state essentially but everyone you come across are just trying to live their lives and like be like, I don't know, good and 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 welcoming members of society and just like try and help each other. Um, ev- everyone has this like really kind of surprising sense of optimism, given how dour shit has gotten. Um, yeah. And that's the thing that has always stuck with me in this game. That idea that when things get really bad, it's the other people around you that can lift you up. Um, and that's why, for me, the game ended when I finished building Tarrytown. Because yeah, <laughs> Tarrytown! The way, the way that quest works, for those of you who haven't played it, is essentially uh, there is a, a guy who works for a construction company who's like, I want to go build this like specific version of a model home. I want to make an entire town of this. Um, and I want to invite people from all over Hyrule to come and live there. And you have to literally go out and find the materials to help do that. But you also need to find the people that are going to move in. Uh, so what you're essentially doing is creating a new and like welcoming kind of melting pot of a community in a place that is the apocalypse. Like you are creating the most loving, welcoming home for yourself and a bunch of other people uh, in, in, in a world that hates you and wants you to fucking die. Uh, and I, I think if that's not like to me personally, and, and I, I totally understand the, if you go and you get all the memories, and then you fight Ganon, like it is the story of Zelda and Link 
Uh, but mostly Zelda just like kind of overcoming their own doubts about themselves and coming to fruition and like realizing that there, you know, is, is a lot of worth and they should like, you know, kind of stand up on the pedestal that they know they should. The other side of this game being about community in the face of hardship, I think is just as strong. Um, and, and oh, to yeah. me was why Absolutely. I finished the game that way. Once I unlocked Harrytown and got that last incredible scene uh, where there's a wedding that happens there and they create a family. Uh, in Tarrytown was like so moving that I immediately stopped playing the game. I was like, I actually don't want to do anything else. <laughs> this is actually a better ending for me personally than if I went and fought Ganon. The idea that shit can still be bad, but you can still find some hope in that, I think is is really powerful. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's, that's why beautiful. I like this video game. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah, uh, you like the show, you know, you could go to Zelda.com. Uh, I don't know, what was that? Anyway, all right. <laughs> I think that that theme, though, is explored in the main plot, too. Like, the very, very end. Uh, I mean, where I teared up was when Zelda's like, uh, I have to ask, like, do you remember me? Like, when you're when she's finally back. Yeah. Uh, but there is, <laughs> like, an epilogue. Heart. It does. And my heart is shut. Between this and the beginning of Animal Crossing, I've just been a mess. I've just been crying <laughs> and texting my friends about it. But uh, there's a scene where like Zelda's kind of back in her normal like adventuring gear and she's standing with Link and she's like, Ganon being gone isn't like the end of, of us helping Hyrule. And and kind of ends with like, the game ends with them becoming themselves and deciding that there's still work that needs to be done. Which is kind of alluding to the fact that even after you beat Ganon, you can keep playing. But it's also like, helping the world doesn't end with killing the giant demon in the castle. Helping the world is, is all the same side quests you've done and, and everyone you've helped in that game yeah um and it really like it just all comes together in such a beautiful way uh and yeah i i find it so moving and, and i think like i think that this story definitely stands on its own like there's definitely a lot of nostalgia but it's not like it's not like codependent on knowing zelda lore before i mean because this was your first zelda city and i don't think unless yeah. you were there any moments where you found like oh maybe it, should i know what this is or did it not land as strongly no, like not that. really at all. I mean, yeah. it was, you know, it, it really is a story of someone going in blind a little bit and learning about yeah. the lore as you go. And yeah, I think it was the perfect entry. And, you know, having beaten the game and hearing everybody talk about, you know, Ocarina and it makes me want to play the other games, get back into Wind Waker after I played like one hour of Wind Waker yes. and was like, this controller sucks. And <laughs> that's, not, that's not how it ended, but um, I hate this. Um, I hate that people is so small. <laughs> I got big thumbs. Um, but no, it's <laughs> <laughs> You know, it, it felt more, it, it absolutely, I didn't uh, feel any way disadvantaged by not knowing as much of the lore. That's good. At the end of the day, this franchise is about the most, like, kind of paint-by-numbers fantasy story ever, right? Like, it is literally, right. there's a chosen hero, and there's, in the beginning, at least for the first couple, it was like, there's a chosen hero who's a dude who has to save this princess, and there's an evil chosen fucking villain guy, uh, and that's the whole story. <laughs> like, that's literally it. Right. And that was literally it for so many of these games. For too long, that was it. It was just those three things. And then you get something like Wind Waker, where 
where the people in the game are actively aware that that is the lore and that they are supposed to be those things and don't want to be them. But then you have Breath of the Wild, which is kind of the inverse of that, where everybody is fully aware that they are supposed to become that thing and they just don't know how they can rise to that challenge. And I think that's also really interesting. Yeah, it's it's like the world is Star Wars in a way. Mm-hmm. It is. It is like like the scene I alluded to earlier, where the king is telling Zelda that like she can't be who she wants to be. Yeah. Um. And and you know like uh Link. I mean, the game is pretty much telling you that you're not ready the whole time. <laughs> you know, like right. every yeah. time you die on the Great Plateau and and break a stick trying to fight a goblin, it's like maybe this <laughs> isn't my thing. Maybe I can stick to cooking and, and yeah. raising horses. Um. But I think you're right. And I think the strongest Zeldas in my mind are the ones that like, because Link, Zelda, and Ganon represent each part of the Triforce, wisdom, courage, and power. And when they have fun exploring, like, because Ocarina, to its credit, too, like, yes, Zelda does get captured at one point, but, like, she exists in the whole game as Sheik. And, like, that was a real, like, that's known knowledge now, but, like, that twist is fucking awesome when you first see it. Because you're like, who is this person? And then it's Zelda. I think the only Zelda game that I think might benefit from prior knowledge is Majora's Mask, because that game is, like, an evil David Lynch reflection of Ocarina. (laughs) Yeah. Um... But even then, it's so unique to itself that, like, you could probably... You'll just appreciate it a little bit more. Um, As someone who knew a lot of Zelda going into Breath of the Wild, I think the only things... It really just only enhances it. There's no, like, knowledge like you all pointed to, but there are a lot of songs that come up. Like, Zelda's... Whenever Zelda's Lullaby came up, I, I, like, got choked up. But the thing is, the game treats those old melodies and, and old references with the same novelty that they're unique to this game. That it's not like a... It's not like in Star Wars where they're like oh remember this chessboard from from new right. hope you know uh which is like fine i think those moments can can be fun but i'm glad they don't rely on it yeah mm-hmm. totally um, so yeah um sweet should we move on to questions i was just gonna say how do you how do you both feel question time i'd love to answer a question let's do some questions we got a lot so i think this Sadie, would you love well. to answer 40 questions oh yeah <laughs> let's, let's try to answer them in 40 seconds <laughs> I think some of these, I think some of these have your name all over them, Sadie. I'm very excited right. uh, to do this. Why don't we take a little bit of a break and yeah. then we'll get into it? That sounds good. All right. Okay. <laughs> See okay. you in hell. No, you hang up. <laughs> <laughs> That's the vibe of this whole episode. No, you hang up. All right, no, you fine. Hang up. See you at the orthodontist. back from the wild and you all have asked over probably over a hundred questions and I cut it down like a villain. I'm uh, in our in our trio here I think I represent power and I'm evil and you two <laughs> okay. are the good guys. But a lot of really fun questions. We love doing these for the bonus episodes and uh, we're just going to go through them. I am um, going to, I what I did was I went through and I chose my favorite. Most of them got picked honestly. And also, a, a number of you asked kind of similar questions, so I sort of lumped them into one if, if a lot of people ask the same thing. I'm also going to keep it anonymous, but if you know your question, thank you. So, yeah, thanks everybody started. who submitted stuff. Very cool. Yes, for real. We got a lot via Twitter and via the Discord, most of the Discord. Yeah, it's kind of always um, our dream to just like have an entire question and answer segment on this show, so it's, it's nice that we get to do it this time. I think my favorite was in the Fire Emblem episode, someone asked like, if every student was a Vine star, what would their Vines be like? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which was amazing. So we got some stuff like that. I want to start out low key though, and we'll build our way up to like 
you know, what, which ab of Sidon's is your favorite? <laughs> um, I know which one. <laughs> the third one. The, the middle. The middle one. <laughs> All right. Enough, enough villain, villainy and power. Uh, the first question basically boils down to what was your favorite discovery in the game? Uh, so some people talked about like using shock arrows and, and, and shield surfing and, and that kind of stuff. So like what was something that the game outwardly didn't teach you that you were like really like shocked and awed to discover? Ooh, I think there's a lot there because you are finding so many things organically, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Do you have one in mind? Uh, uh, you need more time, Sadie? Absolutely. Oh, oh, sorry. I, I need more I, time. <laughs> I need more, okay. Uh, do you have one, Brendan? I do, yeah. Um, my my favorite thing, kind of uh, similar to, to the example, actually, was uh, realizing that the reason I kept getting struck by lightning was because I was covered in metal. Like, I just oh, was, yes. <laughs> I was wearing the, like, I think, it's the, I think it's called the royal armor, and it's just basically plate mail. So I was just wearing that, and I had a big metal sword and a big metal shield and a big metal helmet that just went up. Uh, so it was like, oh, yeah, I just I built myself into a fucking lightning rod like an idiot. Um, so you dress like Benjamin Franklin out here trying to discover something. <laughs> oh, the founding father gear set. The great fairy loves these. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, that realization actually became a huge shift for me because I then switched from that to basically just changing into only wearing climbing gear at all times. Uh, because I, we've talked about this in previous episodes, but um, I didn't get a horse at any point on my first time through the game. I was just like, I don't feel like doing this. I just like running and climbing uh, and jumping and using the, the parachute. Uh, so I just bought the climbing gear uh, and just like leveled that up as much as possible. And then that became how I traversed the world from that point on, which is I had a, a ton of stamina and I just ran around. It was great. That's nice. awesome. I think this isn't this isn't a learning discovery as much as it was um, a visual discovery. But when I yeah. first came across the big horse, I oh, yeah. my heart just stopped. I was like, it's it's everything anyone promised me and more. It's just mm -hmm. standing <laughs> out there in this field. And it was the sort of thing where I was like, yeah, I hear people talking about how there's a big horse in this game, bigger than the other horses. I don't really know what I'm looking for here. And, you know, I just like come across a hill and I'm standing at the edge and I see it down there and I'm like, at last, I found you. <laughs> and that moment took my breath away. So, <laughs> yeah, I think, like you said, Sadie, there's so many to choose from. I think mine was the first Maldugo fight, the Sandworm boss. Oh, I love oh, those. Yeah. Those are yeah, so that, fun. For, yeah, first of all, like my favorite song in the game is that boss fight, and like oddly enough, I, I think. If I were to criticize anything in the game is I don't think that the Divine Beast and Hyrule Castle bosses stack up to this, the ones that pop up on the world map. Totally agree. Like, Absolutely there's something, agree. Yeah, there's something really special about like just finding them out of nowhere and like that like anxiety of like, oh shit, and it adds <laughs> to like the feeling of needing to prepare before you go out anywhere. Um, and Maldugo is a fight that like most likely for the first like five minutes, you're going to have no idea how to fight it. 
And then when you figure it out, kind of like Shadow of the Colossus, the music changes and like it's just so exciting. And that, that kind of aids the the thing the three of us talked about is like using your own wits to be an enemy and not them being like, I hope you have the crystal boomerang because that's right. the only thing that <laughs> right. can hurt me, you know. So I think the Maldugo fight and like pretty much any like world map boss, I really enjoyed like the stone taluses and the and the cyclopses. All, all of them are great. Um, yeah. I never Lionels fought a talus until post game. I always oh, really? saw they would come out of the ground. The music would start and I'd be like, oh, I gotta go. <laughs> and they're so you know now that i know how to fight them they're they're so easy to defeat yeah but you know when you are running around barefoot wearing you know cloth jorts uh, <laughs> and suddenly a big rock comes to kick your ass. I, I just got in the habit of being like, I will not deal with this at this time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it feels like like there's some, I, I was always very conscious of like what, like I always felt bad killing any animals. Like I only killed like boars and enemies that I felt were like detrimental to the wildlife. <laughs> you know that I have a very, a very uh, specific feud with uh, the goats in this game. Yes. Yes. Please speak on that. Uh, I would love to hear more. So I, I also, I try to be kind to the animals. You know, I'm only gonna, you know, shoot an arrow if I have to, because I like to keep my arrows stocked. But if I see one of those blue goats, I will kill it on sight. <laughs> I will use any weapon because they just kept, uh, that was like the number one thing that would knock me out in the first parts of the game when like that's the that's the meanest enemy yeah. around me. <laughs> Get in charge of these ghosts. And they're they're like more aggressive than the wolves are. Like the wolves Absolutely. will howl and kind of eye you up for a bit before they yeah. attack. But the ghosts will see you like cooking and just be like "fuck you" and head put you off the cliff. And I was like, I will not tolerate goats in my yeah. presence. I'll take your rare prime meat, Mister Goat. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Amazing. Cool. I'm gonna move on to the next one if that's cool with y'all. That's cool. This is favorite boss fight, a uh, similar kind of thing. I mean, it's got to be Maldugo again for me. It's a short answer there. I think of all the Ganons, I liked Water Blight Ganon the most because I liked using the ice power to conquer oh, it. Um, that's that's so funny. I That was my least favorite one. That was... Oh, really? Was, <laughs> I, hate, I hate to interrupt, but I, you know... No, I, please. I found... And to be honest, to be honest, I did yeah. look up some... Uh, tips and tricks oh, for these because like that, you know, it's my life. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I'll do what the heck I, I want. A lot of the the Ganon Blight fights have felt pretty easy, um, yeah. which is weird for yeah. me to say because I was very stressed out while they were happening. Except for the Water Blight Ganon, which was so infuriating. It took me an embarrassing amount of time to figure it out. And then even though I had figured it out, put it into practice using the ice blocks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was just buck wild. But yes, that I was... I can see that. Oh. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, you go. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, did you do that one first? Was that your first Divine yes, Beast? Yes, it was my first one. Because I was wondering, like, if maybe whichever first Divine Beast is probably going to be the hardest, because at that point you don't have the m most equipment. And, like, um, yeah, I guess that's just the one... I would have to replay and maybe, like, 
like because that I I played Waterbug Ganon a while ago, but I just remember that was the only Ganon fight that felt like it fit the scale of like this is the boss of this mm. thing. Like you said, a lot of mm. them are pretty easy. The camel one is actually kind of fun, like deflecting the fast things with your shield and then getting in hits. That was also I a really love fight that. for me at least. Love yeah. that one. That actually might be the best. I think I'm gonna ch- I'm gonna say to you swayed me. I'm gonna say the camel <laughs> boss. Uh, Thunder by Ganon was the best Ganon fight. Do uh, do the Lionels count? Say. Do you think? I think so. They they're should. the hardest things in the game. Yeah, yeah they're, the, they're the baddest boys in school. So <laughs> tough. I think they count. They kicked my ass. Because um, I love the Lionel fights. The Lionel, the Lionel fights really just kind of highlight how incredible the combat is in this game. Because in the beginning, you feel like you're just yeah. like I don't, you have like limp noodles that you're just like pool noodles that you're like hitting people with. It's just so hard to land a hit or like do any of the actual parries or dodges or whatever uh in time and and once you finally confidently take on a lionel like right towards the end of the game or whenever that happens for you that that to me is one of the most rewarding experiences in that game was like haha i have mastered this i have figured it out yeah <laughs> absolutely most rewarding fight would probably be the lionels just because not even they're also just have that reputation you know we, we have, i went yeah. into it knowing like lionels are the these are the baddest boys <laughs> <laughs> so it was i also always oh sorry no I, I, no I you go um i was gonna say Every time I see a Lionel, I'm also like sometimes think it's a horse at first when they're far away. Because <laughs> like I'm like, oh, that must just be a goblin riding a horse, and then it's like a Lionel, and I'm like, oh. I do love though that you can mount them. Like when they're stunned, you can ride them like horses. Yeah, it's great, great, bad centaur boys, bad boys. They're tough. They're rough. Yeah, I think the first one where like Sidon's like, hey man, I believe in you. Go on the top of that mountain and get twenty shock arrows. And there's a Lionel, and yeah. like yes. That the first Lionel was like I think that moment that you both spoke to so so cool. All right, um, next question is what do you think is the craziest thing slash stunt you've pulled off in the game? Oh, I know. Okay, I'm gonna say it. Um- say it. Don't spray it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, going up to the highest peak in the game, uh, with the best shield I could find and trying to shield sled or like shield surf down the entire mountain, uh, before, before it broke was, uh, great, but I only made it so far. So then I had to jump off and then parachute down. I was like, this is just a Fast and the Furious movie. This fucking owns. This is so good. Uh, yeah, that's uh, it's incredible. Shield surfing, absolutely pointless. Should like, there's no reason for it to be in the game, but it's great. I'm so glad it is. I still can't do it. I know what buttons to press. <laughs> I know it should I work. Too. But it's, for some reason, I can't get it to work. And that's where I left off in my last uh, session playing it. I think yesterday was mm. I found these guys with a bit. There was like a big tree and they're like, hey, come shield surf with us. We got a big oh, tree. Yeah, Start here. Right. Go down there. All right. Uh, and I was like, these these cool guys, I can't mess up in front of these cool dudes in their tree. <laughs> I literally had to pause and be like, I'm going to come back in a couple of days when I have my druthers <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome but yeah no i i uh, was the- i was never really a i don't think i've done anything super stunty i don't think i've i i you know i haven't pushed the boundaries yeah me neither really i feel like i'm just amazed that i can do anything in this game like i feel like <laughs> most of my stunts are just like climbing stuff that should be impossible yeah like yeah 
I think something that is in my like uh, in a game like this that that was instilled with me in like Skyrim or Oblivion is like figuring out how I can climb a mountain that doesn't want me to climb it. Yes. <laughs> right, right, right. Like those games kind of have like weirdly specific invisible walls, but every now and then you can get a little bit of a leg up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I just enjoyed uh, I just enjoyed like getting as high as possible. <laughs> I just enjoyed getting as high as possible. Like, a big on a bomb mountain. Rip. <laughs> <laughs> just, audio a giant, just a giant toke. Uh, that was my sickest stunt. <laughs> Dude, I I held in a toke for an entire uh, windblight Ganon fight. Just kidding. I do like I was at like I was at like my cousin's lake house and like I had gummies for the first <laughs> time and like dude <laughs> the thing about gummies like you forget you had them so like four hours later we were watching like Porco Rosso and I like totally forgot that I had gummies so like the scene where all the planes are I, going to the clouds I was like fuck this is the sickest stunt I've ever pulled off and that's how you speed You're both run looking dinner away. <laughs> I've never I've, you're my two closest friends, and you couldn't look at me. <laughs> we just, I like oh shut the God. laptop screen as I can't. Yeah, <laughs> hey, it was great. He's breaking uh, you my can heart. Replace me if you no, want. biggest stunt um, I've ever done: get my horse stuck in really weird places. Uh, I got my, my horse <laughs> half stuck off a mountain, couldn't move at all. His, his back legs were just standing on the air. Glitched him out. The big horse is probably still on that mountain right now. <laughs> Go figure that out too. Horse Ollie, pop shove it, impossible. Christ air. <laughs> I, did, I did a Christ air on my on my motorcycle. <laughs> I did a Christ air dressage mesh. <laughs> um, I think the the funniest thing that happened to me was I got struck by lightning while riding a sand seal, <laughs> which is like the saddest moment in the game. Shout out to the sand seals; they don't get enough credit. I loved the sand seals. Um, They're so cute. And they don't yeah, want to hang out with us, but I want nothing more than to hang yeah. out with them, you know? Also, just while we're talking yeah, about that, I, it's really fucked up that you can't pet the dogs, that they added a bunch of DLC yes. and patched this game a million times and you still can't pet the dog. That is my number one concern with this game. Yeah. So you can't pet the dog. Yeah. I can take pictures of the dog. If you aim the camera at a dog, it knows you're taking a picture of it and it'll smile at you, which is cute. <laughs> but I want to pet it, you know? You can give it meat. That's also fun. I would say another thing that was a a sick stunt that isn't like technically a stick stunt, a sick stunt, whoa, but felt like one, uh, more like an Ocean's Eleven style heist, was in the first DLC they introduced a coin that you could get that would act as a as a teleport point, so almost like a shrine or uh, a tower, but you could put it down wherever you wanted and then teleport back to that coin whenever you wanted. Um, <gasps> that coin is so hard to get because it's in... This giant, you know those huge mazes that are off the coast? Those yeah. like huge labyrinths? Okay, one of them, they add a dungeon under that. So you have to like go through the whole thing and then go under that and then get the coin and then go up and then back out. And it is so difficult uh, that, that that I think is a sick stunt if you pull it off. It's just getting the coin. Yeah. Six stunts all around. Gotta get I'm that coin. I'm fighting every urge. <laughs> Gotta get that coin. I'm fighting every urge to not slip back into the Friends Lake House voice. Uh, so just on behalf of both of you, thank you for guiding me to the <laughs> Yeah, light. maybe do the next um, question. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. <laughs> all right, I learned my lesson. Uh, are there parts of the game that didn't work for you? 
What would you like to see them expand on when they revisit this iteration in Breath of the Wild 2? I think we kind of touched on this a little bit. Honestly, nothing nothing is bad. Like nothing is is like uh took me out of it. I think the biggest letdown is is the Ganon fights. Yeah. Um and that seems to be pretty unanimous. Like the the divine beasts are fun, but I think like the star of the game is the world map and I think it the the map is so purposeful that I I've often referred to it as like a big dungeon itself. Yeah. I think the shrines are also more interesting than the divine beasts. Mm-hmm. Also um, agree. Yeah. The 3D maps I think just did not work for me at all, especially not the castle. Yeah. You and I talked about that. Yeah, city. the castle map to me was you know, it, it would have honestly been less frustrating if there was less information on the map. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, any anytime there was a 3D and we were rotating stuff, I was like, okay, well, you know, it's fun to solve a little puzzle, but the puzzle shouldn't be how to read the map to solve the puzzles. Yeah, exactly. Because then that's denying you your own observation of like the the game. Right. Yeah, I would say like Ganon fights. Um, the the final Ganon fight, like a lot of people would tell me that that was the biggest letdown of the game. And I could see if you spent like a lot of time doing everything and then going to fight Ganon, it would be a letdown. I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed just the cinematic of it, like seeing the four champions point to them and say their line and they all kind of get their revenge and you see Ganon's health go down halfway. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed fighting him on horseback with my horse Malibu uh, and, <laughs> and fighting this giant boar and Zelda kind of narrating and like... That really worked for me cinematically, but the the Ganon fight, Calamity Ganon, the second form, where you can't hurt him unless you do a shield parry, just felt like like I I ended up using Urbosa's fury and Daruk's protection. Thank you, Daruk and Urbosa, for your help. Um, <laughs> Uh, during that fight to get past it, but it felt like all of a sudden this open-ended game that you could beat bosses in a variety of ways suddenly made you do one specific thing that I had never done before. So that to me was the only time I felt like annoyed at the game was mm-hmm. like in the middle of that fight. But that's like pretty much it. I think like in the in the iteration, I would like to see them maybe like treat the treat the a plot the way that the memories and the shrines worked and less like the divine beast i think an even more off the rails approach if they're going to put this much purposefulness into the world map into everything you can find i think that like there's a way to do the game that's 100 percent that and it's just you finding pieces of the story rather than like having to go on the rails for some of it mm-hmm. um yeah if that makes sense totally what do you two think what, what would you like to see in the sequel kind of tweaked or added we should be able to pet the dogs oh yeah i um i guess i have i have a couple things so i i think i think you're right um about the the ganon fights like the mini boss fights i i think the biggest kind of frustration point for me was just that the the divine beasts by themselves i think just feel kind of lackluster compared i mean this is the thing everybody said but compared to actual dungeons that are you know thought out and a a little bit more like thematically on brand i guess it just kind of felt like they were using not not to say like reusing assets because that that comes with a bunch of like negative shitty online stuff but uh it just felt like they were reusing the same kind of (laughs) template four times in what should have been i think the highlight of the game right like if you're going through the the uh, critical path of that game and you just go 
from divine beast to divine beast like you're gonna have kind of a samey experience until you go fight ganon it's really everything else in the world that is the highlight unfortunately um i I find that everything else is a little bit more interesting than that a plot but outside of that i think the only other thing for me really and i don't know if they'll change it um but honestly animal crossing weirdly enough has just cemented this in my head uh is that i don't know if the uh weapon durability stuff is is like I don't know if it fits as well as as I thought. Um, It was one of those things that I just kind of like accepted. I didn't actively hate it. You know, I wasn't one of those people that was like, oh, I hate I hate this. I'm not going to play this game because my my sword breaks. Um, But I don't think it fits as well as it does in a game like Animal Crossing, where like the idea of tool durability and your stuff breaking actually kind of like accents what is interesting about that game and and mm-hmm. and that idea that that you are on this island and you are trying to uh make your own way like it kind of makes sense that you would use the shitty tools at your disposal and just have them like collapse in your hands as you're trying to use them does not make as much sense to me in in breath of the wild um so i would either like to see that gone in the second one or that stuff you have kind of hangs out a little bit longer yeah Kind of bouncing off of that, you know, there were a couple of weapons in the game that you could take to the repair guy in the Zora kingdom. He's like, oh, I can make you a new trident, a better trident. And it was, it would still, it was not very high damage and it wasn't that much more durable. And it was sort of like, I get, you know, we have this legendary weapon that I can repair. I'm just not sure if it is as legendary as they've kind of sold it to be. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So that, I would agree that sometimes it, it did feel more frustrating. I think at the very least with those more legendary weapons, I think if you're, you know, spending a couple diamonds and parts to make those, right? maybe they could go more of the Master Sword route and just like, we could recharge if we can't just stay. I yeah. completely agree. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, that, that uh, quest to get the Master Sword was so interesting. But yeah, it, it kind of feels like it didn't really pay off that well i think by the end of it just because the thing breaks in your hand it's very fine like the the master sword you know when you you know it doesn't have as much power when you're not near the master sword level threats etc but i found myself using the master sword a ton when i don't need to be just because i'm like well my other weapons will break if i'm using them to break open barrels but i can use the master sword right yeah It kind of just became a little bit of a utility knife for me when I was outside of a shrine situation. Yeah. Um, In a Breath of the Wild sequel, I would also love to see uh, Zelda be a playable character or at least like a more consistent ally since it seems like they're together in in the trailers for the new game. Yes. So I'd love to see what that involves. Me too. Agreed. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I've been better. Hi. Wind Waker was definitely an influence on how I talk to people because everything's like, hello! Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, Use Z question. to target me! <laughs> <laughs> That's how I introduce myself to people. Um, <laughs> thoughts on Breath of the Wild's OST versus the rest of the series? Interesting Ooh. question. I think it's an amazing soundtrack. I think it's much more minimal than in the past. Like, There's a lot of times where... like. I, I, moments that strike me are always like when it's just been kind of the wind and then I'll land 
and there'll just be like a few piano notes that mm-hmm. kind of complement the scene. And I really, I, it's it's a lot of actually. If there's any if there's any element of this game that does rely on the past ones, it is the soundtrack because a lot of the songs are like versions or echoes of past songs. Like mm-hmm. the riding the horse is kind of this almost like very interesting rhythm of the normal Hyrule Field theme. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's really cool. I think it's definitely there's some great original songs, but I, I enjoy the renditions, and I think my favorites are honestly the accordion bird songs those are like my favorite covers yes those are beautiful yeah when he, really when he breaks yeah. out the little accordion yeah i cry we love cass a lot of the music is you know i am not i can't answer this question in full just because i don't have that vast knowledge of the other games but i will say that the soundtrack i think has been absolutely gorgeous and there's a lot of really cool references as you said steven to other tracks and things like that. And I think yeah. the most beautiful one is when you go to Terrytown. Terrytown has oh a soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And once the wedding happens, the music in Terrytown changes once you complete the quest to incorporate the track from uh, his, his beautiful wife, where she comes from. And I'm trying to say this without spoilers. Yeah, but yeah. You get a kind of like more when you finish the town the music becomes more harmonious and uh complete and it's just gorgeous and even before that it just has the sassiest trombone line uh we (laughs) love a big sassy trombone (laughs) (laughs) if this is a normal episode that would be the title of this one (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> I think you're right though and I think this is definitely if not the best it's the most interactive soundtrack like you, like you pointed out it really does respond to your actions both in Terrytown like incorporating the background of all the residents and also mm-hmm. like in bosses where when you figure it out it will be kind of more victorious sounding mm-hmm. I think my favorite soundtrack is probably still Wind Waker's I think that that just had such a cool I mean I'm a sucker for a nautical fantasy and I love this sort of like <laughs> the the string instruments and and that that soundtrack is very much about instilling the the feeling the setting wants to give you whereas breath of the wild the soundtrack is almost reacting to what you're doing mm-hmm. uh, which i think is really effective yeah I, I think there's nothing that speaks to my love of the soundtrack more than uh you and i playing apex legends steven and uh listening to the breath of the wild piano cover soundtrack on spotify <laughs> instead of the apex legends music <laughs> And just running around and hanging out <laughs> like that was yeah. just incredible. Um, I, I think, I mean, to me, this is the memorable soundtrack in the Zelda franchise. This is this is the one that really stuck with me. Um, and uh, I think will forever. I mean, this this is also like the closest I think this game gets to like a, a Miyazaki kind of influence. Um, we, we, I think, surprisingly haven't mentioned Miyazaki at all yet. But like, clearly, there's been a huge Ghibli influence on this game. Um, and oh, I, yeah. I think that really speaks volumes in its soundtrack. Uh, specifically um so, yeah yeah this is definitely my favorite one um and go check out all the uh cover soundtracks that are on spotify they're all really great yeah absolutely second uh, it's, it's what i listen to when i fly uh because i'm scared of airplanes but i put oh. on uh the <laughs> breath of the wild soundtrack i'm like this is fine i'm gonna paraglide right back down <laughs> there you go <laughs> that's beautiful i love that <laughs> yeah it's become like my go-to like i, li- I actually listen to uh the zelda uh i actually listened to like the zelda um the piano and flute covers a breath of the wild uh, as well as studio ghibli jazz covers which are great would highly recommend i you know one thing i will say about the soundtrack is that you know it's so beautiful instrumental of course i thought oh i could listen to this at work 
but it kept making me cry at my desk. <laughs> <laughs> I would be answering a customer email and they'd be like, well, I didn't get enough cliff bars. And I would just be tears welling up in my eyes and be like, even though you haven't awakened all of your memories. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get enough cliff bars. Courage need not be remembered for it is <laughs> never forgotten. <laughs> Best. Um, oh my god cool it's too uh, immersive it's so too immersive I hate it <laughs> 0 out of 10 garbage <laughs> make uh, me feel something <laughs> the next one is I think something we already answered any hopes for the sequel uh, RE story or gameplay improvements I think we can unless you guns. have any other thoughts huh G- uh, guns I said guns yeah <laughs> <laughs> I said I want guns. I want I want a big uh, honking uh, rifle. Thanks. Here's uh, what I want to see. I want to see playable Zelda. I want to be able to customize her look, and I want her to have a, a freaking gat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I want her to have six sunglasses and a gat. I honestly don't hate that. To be to be completely <laughs> frank, there's a, way, there's a way to make that work. Um, <laughs> Speaking of Gats, favorite weapon type, any you didn't really use, uh, and thoughts on the durability system. Uh, I think we're all in, in unanimous opinion that, like, I think the durability system inspires you to collect more, but I think it could have mm-hmm. it could have been less frequent. Because, like we said, even with the legendary ones, you get in, like, maybe two or three combos and it breaks, and, like, you don't really even get to appreciate it. Um, it's more of just, like, a flurry of what you have. I tended to like the spears a lot for some reason. I, I, I enjoyed just, like, kind of the combo of it and, like, the running lunge of it and the, the ability mm-hmm. to also throw it uh, was great. Also, like, the boomerang for that reason. Like, that was actually one of my favorite things was, like, timing catching a boomerang. Like, get knocking a bacoblin off a horse and catching the boomerang was, like, one of my favorite moments. Yeah. Um, how about you two? I found myself really getting into uh, the different arrow types mm. and, you know, choosing when, like, okay, when is an ice one going to be helpful if I want to, you know, kind of give them a stop and run up to them, do combo that way. And, you know, they have, since they have so many fun, different little arrow tricks you can get depending on what you've collected, uh, I found that to be really fun. And I never really thought that that would be my thing because I, you know, in my general fantasy interests, I've always like, swords are freaking sick. I love swords. They're so freaking cool. Or like, oh, a battle axe is metal as hell. Um, But something was really nice about being like, all right, I'm up in the tree and I can shoot a bomb at someone. (laughs) They won't even know what hit them. That's what I'm saying, Sadie. Imagine that, but with gun. Now now this I like. (laughs) Zelda with aviator shades and two cats. I, I kind of like a, it. She's got a freaking cigar hanging out of her mouth. <laughs> that's, that's the game where Zelda, Zelda says, fuck it. I don't want to be wisdom anymore. I'm power, baby. And just rolls into being a villain. I love that. Or just being a oh, man. It's not even evil. You just and came Ganon up with knowledge a sequel. becomes a little nerd. And it's time to teach those nerds a lesson. <laughs> Link is the same. Links the same. <laughs> huh? <laughs> uh, that's I do miss that in like in Ocarina or in Breath of the Wild when he falls from a great height he goes like dead, but in Ocarina he went like dead. <laughs> you can keep some more level head in Breath of the Wild. It yeah. Seems. Oh my god. Alright, uh, moving on. What do you think about Nintendo's attempts at non-linear storytelling through the memories? How successful was it for you? 
extremely. I think that was the best part of the game. The memories are treating the A-plot like another thing to collect alongside food, weapons, and giving them all the same weights was amazing. And I think, too, with the memories, the thing that always struck me was, like, seeing how life was back then and then cutting back to Link waking up and there's, like, usually a robot, like, destroying something in the distance. (laughs) And, like, you know, that, that contrast. And I think it also, like... I honestly think, as we discussed with the Divine Beast and everything, that like this game could benefit from just having like chunks of the story defined organically, and like having that be the a plot and not as much the Divine Beasts. Yeah, uh, as a person who just loses his bonkers for a photo mode, uh, I was very into the idea of going and finding all those memories, uh, all those spots. I, I don't think I found all of them, but um, it, it reminded me a lot of in Spider Man. There, there's uh, in, sorry, in Marvel Spider Man for the PlayStation. Come 4. on. Uh, I am a, I'm an employee of Marvel. Anything I say or do does not represent the views of the company. Anyway, in that game, my favorite part of that game also was going around New York city and finding all of the like spots from the Marvel universe and going and like taking a picture of, of, uh, the bar with no name or like the, the, um, where Dr. Strange lives and stuff like that. But this kind of adding that, that narrative weight to that idea that, that like collectible plus feelings is, uh, wonderful. It was great. I don't I don't remember any of them offhand, uh, which is kind of ironic because I, I played them or I got them three years ago. But uh, yeah, cool stuff. Yeah, I liked them. I, I liked how, <laughs> you know, it really you could do things in any order you wanted. <laughs> and I thought that the memories were they was it was nice. Unfortunately, yeah. I don't have more to say than Oh, those were, I remember those memories. That was Ah, yes. A better time, (laughs) a better place. I will say my favorite memory was probably, probably the one where Zelda, like, gets her powers. And that's the last one you get. Like, once you get all of them, it's like, I got another one for you. Go out, go out there, find it. It's going to be good. It's in the mud. I got a good one. You did a lot for me, and I thank you for that. You have my respect. (laughs) 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 All right, mob boss Impa and sunglass (laughs) get Zelda. (laughs) But um, the last one where Zelda finds her powers and like send like basically save saves Link's life and sends him into hibernation. My other favorite one is when she finds a frog and is like, "This will make a perfect specimen." And like, just that shows like so just cute. Yeah, she's just, just a big wholesome. nerd. I love her. Yeah, I just think it was great to give her a character because, like you said, Brendan, so often is she just been like the nameless, not nameless, but the princess you have to save, and you never know like who she actually is. Mm-hmm. So I really enjoyed like what focus and power she had in this story yeah Um, cool moving on um the next question is something we kind of answered it says how does breath of the wild's open air concept compare to other open world games is there anything they should learn from breath of the wild or vice versa um i think i think the latter is something we could touch on that we haven't yet of like what influence we want this to have uh, versus what it could take from other games i think we've seen the influence in games like death stranding and I mean, even Animal Crossing to an extent with like the focus on kind of the hunter gatherer gameplay. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, I mean, I don't know. I mean, as we've often said, this is like the new blueprint. So I don't know like what they could really learn. I'm waiting for them to like set a new standard in the sequel. But I guess, yeah, I I really think like I liked the approach that Death Stranding took where they really put their own kind of aesthetic on it. And there was a very specific focus on like indirect online play. Um, Mm -hmm. The idea Mm -hmm. that like other people were also in this world and you could help each other without knowing it. That's something that could work. 
in Zelda. I would be curious to see like if there is room for for online. I don't need it because I think there's something kind of beautiful about the solitary experience of Zelda. But I wonder like if there's room for it in some way or if there's room for sort of like an Animal Crossing daily catch up of like new things every day or something like that. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that this game really really nailed for me, especially in comparison. I, I, It's such a bummer that this is the comparison that always gets made, but they came out like in the same week or whatever. But Horizon Zero Dawn um, was kind of like the the perfect version of the open world game as we knew it. The, the idea that like you go and you climb to the top of a tower and it unlocks a bunch of like mini map points and then you go to those mini map points and they all have like specific missions involved with them. Um, and it's like, oh, for Spider-Man, for example, like, oh, I just want to go find all the backpacks and then you could just go find all the backpacks. Like that's such like an open world trope at this point. Zelda uh has such an intentionality behind its world that it kind of i don't want to say doesn't stoop to that level but like it doesn't add those things because it doesn't make sense to have those things in this game um and that's kind of what i hope people take from this not not like oh what if we just do it exactly the way breath of the wild did but more of a why don't we think about what works in the world we're making in in a way that is intentional instead of just doing it because that's what far cry does you know or that's what Mm. grand theft auto does or whatever I, I, I don't know. It's really it's really just a, a testament to intentionality versus anything else. Um, and, and that's that's kind of what I what I hope uh, we see come from this. Yeah, I think in terms of like not doing something because everyone else is doing it. I enjoyed the stealth in this game when I wanted to do it, like with sneaking up on a horse or sneaking up on an enemy. Mm-hmm. But the mandatory stealth missions didn't do much for me. And like same with Spider-Man, like that's somehow become a trope, like mandatory instant kill stealth missions that I just don't think <laughs> serve an open world climb a mountain game very well. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's that one where you have to you have to um, lead one of the Karaks through like the haunted forest or whatever. Oh. Oh yes, yeah. Oh, oh my God! Oh no, no, wait. You, yeah, you're not leading it. You're you're keeping an eye on it because it's trying to make its way through, but it's very stubborn, so it can't know that it's being like protected, right? It wants to go through the the forest by itself. Awful mission, like the worst yeah. part of the whole game. There was another one that was like that. It was like follow this person in Kakariko Village who did something specific, yes. and it's just you sneaking behind them. In what feels like could just be a cutscene, but it is yeah. just you sneaking and being like, "Well, this is this is fine." <laughs> <laughs> Good thing I have my sneaky omelet that I'm gonna wolf down in the background. I love how quiet it is. It's almost like I'm not playing the game at all. <laughs> <laughs> Shoveling down eggs as he's squatting. Um, oh God! Yuck. Uh, okay, now we're getting into. <laughs> We're move. This is the segue into like some of the some of the more out there questions. Uh, but we have one more that's that's more game specific. Favorite, least favorite shrine. <sighs> I'm trying to think of my favorite. There, most of them I liked, and I, and I appreciated that a lot of the shrines that were harder to find just gave you what you wanted. Like anything where there was like some kind of environmental puzzle to get to the shrine, you just went in. They're like, here's a treasure chest. Here's an orb. Like you did it. You yeah. already did the thing. <laughs> those are those um, are my favorites, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Those are good. I also liked uh there are a couple that like really speak to 
the puzzles in past Zelda games and like set a new standard. I don't have any in mind. I think anything with like water and like getting a ball to roll into place, I <laughs> somewhat enjoyed for some mm-hmm. reason. I could see those being people's least favorite, but no, I think that's like it has something that very human that's like, yes, ball in a cup. I, yeah. got, <laughs> I got the ball in the cup. Yeah. I got the ball me. in the cup. Um, that was a cool. I think my least favorite were anything where I had to rotate the actual shrine. Like I had to take the switch and move it around. And oh, like, I had fun with those personally. They were fun. They were there were a few of them that I didn't mind, but I never felt like I I I just never got like a good hang of it. So I was yeah. kind of felt like I just would turn upside down and walk across. Yes, uh, or, I was just about to know. say that was actually yeah. that was up there for uh, the earlier question. Like, what was your favorite discovery? One of my favorite ones was doing the like ball through the maze that you had to you had to use the gyroscope mm-hmm. to like turn the switch and then just realizing I could turn the whole switch upside down and then just like <laughs> let it roll on the flat part. And then I'm good. Yeah. That's yeah. great. I would say for favorite, I definitely the environmental ones. Any of the I loved, yeah. um, you know, Cass the accordion yeah. birdman. Um, some of his were really fun. The one that comes to mind uh, right away is the one where you have to ride a deer onto a platform. Yes. So then you have to figure out like, all right, how am I going to sneak up on this deer? I got to make sure it's one of the stags because it has to have the antlers. And it's kind of great because I would have wanted to ride a deer anyway and take a bunch of screenshots <laughs> and be like, I did it. I'm really cool. Um, <laughs> so I had a lot of fun with that. Ones yeah. that ones I didn't like um, were definitely the um, major test of strength ones. Yeah. <laughs> where you're just like, I got to fight this mean little robot. Yeah. Yeah. Those, those are, are tough. tough. Yeah. I think overall the shrines are more successful than the beasts, though, because totally, like we yeah. said, like it was another collectible of sort, and they were like mm-hmm. little bite-sized experience that like were really focused and yeah. still had room to like. I remember I did a shrine where I I kind of took advantage of using my ice powers, and uh, and my friend watching it who had played it before was like, I I did this completely differently. Like I can't believe this is working. Yeah. yeah. And there's a lot of moments like that that are really fun. Yeah, the ones that the ones that require like uh, basically wiring up electricity, but you could just drop all the metal stuff that you have in your inventory, just line it up so it creates like actual wires uh, oh, instead of yeah. actually doing the the shrine. That stuff is great. Um, I I, th- I think the shrines are really just like almost a um, it's almost like a Super Mario kind of uh, level of game design in terms of just like throwing stuff at the wall and like not really caring if it <laughs> sticks at all. It's just like whatever. <laughs> this is just a stupid idea. Let's see if it works, and then just leaving it in as a shrine um i really love yeah. that and and on top of that just going back to the master sword quest but like you need a shitload of hearts to be able to get the master sword and it really incentivizes you to see as much of the world as possible uh to to finish those shrines which i really really appreciated it was so fun i, I loved finding the shrines that was like maybe mm-hmm. my one of my favorite things in this whole game yeah yeah and they, they're a nice change of pace because, like, it's almost like there's a comfort in the ritual. Of like, okay, like, the wild is literally this untamed natural landscape, but, like, the shrines are always going to be, like, kind of a futuristic Apple store full of puzzles. Right. So, like, yeah. I, know, like <laughs> I know what I'm getting into. Cool. Uh, this is a fun one that I'm excited to answer. Okay. Uh, d- during a Smash Brothers match on the Great Plateau Tower, the gang decides to hop down and explore. Who dies first and who goes off to live in Terrytown? Um, <laughs> I'm assuming by gang they mean just the cast of Smash Brothers. <laughs> so we won't do the whole thing, but in your head, if everyone was on the Great Plateau and they and no, they no, wanted no, no, to no, hop no, no. down. We're doing the whole thing. Hang on. <laughs> yeah, okay. let me bring this up. 
And we'll just say, okay, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> I'm just going to bring up the full list. We're just going to go down the list and say. Uh, what happens to all of them? Yeah, say, say dead or Tarrytown. You really are courage. Uh, dead or Tarrytown? That, sound, um, that sounds good. Did it. Yeah, those are the two fates. Dead or yeah. Tarrytown. Love it. Yeah. Oh my God, I'm all so right, excited. All right, all right, all right. All right. Uh, we're going in alphabetical order because that's what Wikipedia has. Ready? Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Banjo and Kazooie. Uh, Terrytown. Yeah, Terrytown. I think Terrytown. Bayonetta. I think Terrytown. Mm. I also think Terrytown. Yeah, Terrytown. <laughs> Bowser. Dead. He's toast. He bust thumps I... off the plateau and dies. <laughs> <laughs> I, I also think he dies. I think he's going to try and uh, beat Ganon and die. Mm. Yeah, yeah, totally. He's going he's gonna to want to rule Hyrule and, and fail. Bowser's toast. His yeah. hubris was what did him in. He's the exactly. exodus of the cast, yeah. <laughs> Bowser Jr. He's in Tarrytown. He's in Tarrytown. A, a little shop. He's selling yeah. all kinds of produce. <laughs> he's selling weird produce out of his clown blimp. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's like, anybody want to buy a bell pepper? Yeah. <laughs> he uh, might be the first one at Tarrytown. I think he like gets there first. <laughs> like the little, like the little like, car. Uh, he uses yes. his like little car. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Byleth. Tarrytown. Byleth is strong. They'll get they'll get there. I yeah. think so too. Uh, Captain Falcon. Dead. Dead. Unfortunately, it breaks my heart, but he he literally just goes, Yes! Off the plateau and just falls to yeah. his death. Okay. He dies the worst, too. Like he gets the he gets like a brutal <laughs> death. Yeah, tell he me more, tell more about how Captain Falcon. He hits dies. like every edge you could hit as he falls down. <laughs> Another case of hubris. Uh, yeah. Charizard. I think dead. Uh, oddly enough, I think dead because yeah. I think they try to fight the wild and they just can't take it. Mm-hmm. I think they need the full five other Pokemon in the team to take on a Lionel. You can't just do yeah. I think a Lionel Frozen. would just throw a spear, mm. get him right out of the sky. You're yeah. right. Lionels Lionel, are too smart. Yeah, yeah. Crom uh, dead easily. He choked on something. Yeah, he he was like, good thing I brought my Cliff Bar. I was <laughs> passed out. All right, sorry, Crom. I, I agree. Sorry, Crom. Cloud. <sighs> This breaks my heart. I think also dead. I think he dies. I think he doesn't have the moral support of the cast of seven and goes whatever and just starves to death on top of the plateau. He 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 tries to play it cool until he dies. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, Corin. (sighs) Terrytown. They can turn into a dragon and they're smart. True. Yeah. Great point. Two pluses in this in this live or die scenario are if you can turn into a dragon and you're smart. Charizard <laughs> had one of them. Corn's uh, <laughs> got both. <laughs> Either have it or you don't, Charizard. Yeah. Sorry, Charizard. Daisy. <sighs> God, she's in Terrytown. Yeah, she's like, in Terrytown. Yeah. Me and Sadie have kind of like a little. We figured out that the deep lore of Mario is that Daisy is one of the villains as well. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. <laughs> Mostly, my case for this is mostly in Smash Brothers. Uh, when Peach uses the move where Toad leaps in front of harm's way, she looks concerned. Mm-hmm. Daisy is smiling oh. when Toad. She yeah. knows what she's doing. She's a sicko. She, she's a sicko. Yeah, look out for Daisy in Terrytown. She might like do some weird shit. She might embezzle some like copper or something. Every town <laughs> needs a little bit of drama. That's why yeah. Daisy's there. True. Yeah, true, she'll true. bring it. Uh, Dark Pit. <laughs> Yeah, why is it so funny? <laughs> I think dead for similar reasons as Charizard. You got like literally Aww. Icarus kind of fate going on there. Yeah. Uh, Dark Samus. 
I think this might be an exclusion where I think Dark Samus just goes into the wild. Yes! Oh, it has to be. <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say. Oh. <laughs> I think Dark Samus just becomes a boss somewhere on the map. Because yes. they don't fit in Terrytown, but they're not going to die. They live so in they a cave somewhere. Like, You're going to find yeah. them in the sequel. <laughs> oh, boy. We have a lot to look forward to. <laughs> <laughs> Dark Samus in the sequel, Zelda with sunglasses and guns, Impa's in the mob. That's what I want. <laughs> Um, Diddy Kong. Uh, I think Diddy makes it. I think he's okay. <laughs> okay. He's got a jetpack. I was going to say dead because I saw him doing a cartwheel off the Great Plateau, <laughs> but he's got a jetpack. He's got a jetpack and he does have a gun. That's true. <laughs> he's the one think- who... He- he goes up to Terrytown. He starts a gun shop. That's where we set up the sequel, where Zelda okay. makes it there. <laughs> buys her buys her huge guns. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, "What do you got there?" And he's like, "Ow." Um, <laughs> Diddy Kong also kills Dark Pit. Like as he's jetpacking, he just shoots no, Dark yeah. Pit. Burns up Dark Pit's wings. Because <laughs> Dark Pit, as we know, is very allergic to peanuts. It's goes full circle. Yeah. Um, Donkey Kong. Who's next? Who? Donkey Kong. You know, Donkey he's Kong? he's the big ape. Yeah, he's he's Diddy Kong's. Uh, uncle oh yeah that's how oh. i know him not <laughs> donkey kong but diddy kong's uncle i think donkey kong makes it to Terrytown. i think he sets up uh i think he sets up like a banana shop yeah <laughs> <laughs> kind okay. of like a a, Bl- a bluth family kind of vibe with donkey yeah. kong and diddy oh i love that i can yeah. see the little banana stand already yeah <laughs> He yeah, I, think he, I think he makes it. I feel good about about Donkey Kong making it. Uh, Doctor Mario, dead. He makes it. Oh, jeez. Oh. <laughs> Tell me why he dies. I don't Sorry. mind him dying. No, I, I mean I don't think there's any doctors in Hyrule. I think he should go to Terrytown, right? There's True. No I think he should, but does that mean that he will? Yeah. Does he make it? That's the question. We are the gods who decide their fates. And you said dead, so I want to hear the case for his death. <laughs> I. Give me his own bit. Oh, uh, yeah. He he did make it to Terrytown, but then he died. He was, he, uh, what I said was that he OD'd on his big pill. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yes. Which is just too dark, and I'm sorry. Listen, it's very cloudy outside. <laughs> <laughs> I think Dr. Mario dies. I want to stick with that. All right, uh, he's dead. Honestly, yeah. something about Dr. Mario being dead feels good. So I'm not yeah. going to say that. He seems villainous. Just sticking I don't into think... big pharma. Yeah, exactly. He's got big pharma vibes. He's gone. He's yeah. not in Terrytown. Duck Hunt. Makes it. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, totally. Yeah, makes it. Has, has makes its own it. house, maybe, even. Yeah, oh. they're doing one of the best. They're doing really well. I'm yeah. happy for them. Yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Falco. <laughs> <laughs> Falco goes to Rito Village where he belongs. <laughs> Why is there something about Falco? Just... Oh, give me. I didn't, actually, I I didn't an... really click what we were doing until Falco for some reason. <laughs> Falco is dead, and hear me out, actually. Sure. Oh, no. Falco is dead because he's Rivali, who died 100 years ago <gasps> fighting Gandorf. Great point. Yeah. My head freaking exploding from this fan theorem <laughs> you have laid out before me. My fan theory of Rivali Falco. Fox. <sighs> makes it. He's got a spaceship. <laughs> he just lands his spaceship next to Terrytown. Yeah. He, yeah, lands he makes it, but I'm not happy about it. Next. <laughs> uh, how do we feel about uh, Zelda people? Oh, we can skip them. We know. We can skip them. Yeah, we can That's skip them. That's true. Uh, I think Toon Link dies, though, because he's like, I shouldn't be here. He just glitches out of existence. (laughs) Yeah. Um, All right. Well, in that case, Greninja. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even care. Fate unknown. (laughs) 
No one cared. No one followed up on Greninja. He's just damp somewhere in the in the world. Greninja yeah. is a ninja. It is possible that we will just not ever hear about what happens to Greninja. Yeah. And that's what he wants. Yeah. Exactly. He disappeared into a cloud of smoke, fate unknown. Or he goes and moves in with the Sheikah, right? Potentially. I think he's more of a Yiga vibe, honestly. Yeah. Oh, yeah, true. Yeah. They have such a dry environment. Wouldn't his uh, damp, fleshy skin <laughs> get daily with misuse? The Yiga are far too dry for my... For my okay, let's Please, show me a damp Yiga. <laughs> I like the idea Please. of Greninja as like an Amorton Joe kind of like just <laughs> dumping water into the Yiga. Like, uh, yes. Oh my God. Anyway, uh, Hero from Dragon Quest. <sighs> Makes it, not happy about it. Same thing with uh, Fox. <laughs> kind of weird, right? To have... I mean, Hero is just Link, essentially. Man. Yeah. Kind of weird. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I also think he probably makes it. Um, ice climbers. I think one of them makes it. Oh, I think one of them has to make a sacrifice. Is that too sad? <laughs> I mean, it's what it's what happened, but I, I am really sad about it. Yeah. I think one Nana of them makes it. Die. Yeah. I think Popo lunges Nana with the, with the line and Popo doesn't make it, but Nana does. Oh my God. Yeah. Ike. Another dark one. That's a, that's a I, memory you unlock in, yes. in, in the sequel. <laughs> One of the real tearjerkers. Um, I think Ike makes it. Uh, no, Ike dies because he does the up B where he just goes straight down. Impales <laughs> <laughs> himself on his big sword. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Not great for the Fire Emblem cast so far, other than Byleth and Corrin. And Corrin, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there's so many of them. Some of them were bound to die, you know? Yeah. Um, okay, I'm just going to say immediately. Let's make it. Incineroar uh, makes it. Incineroar makes it, yeah. Yeah, it makes it. They belong in Zelda. Yeah. Incineroar should have been in Breath of the Wild. <laughs> <laughs> um, Inkling. Inkling makes it. They can kind of just surf down. They're good. They okay. got it. Cool. Here's a big one. Isabel. Isabel makes it. Isabel oh, makes it. Oh my god. Yeah. She's right? got her balloon seat. She's fine. Isabel has to be the mayor of Tarrytown. Exactly. Yeah. That's, her role's too important for even us to have an opinion on. I'm sure. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, Ivysaur. Ivysaur uh, makes it. Uh, they can climb down with their vines and mm. uh, may or may not just be a monster in the wild. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they probably would. They'd skip town and just find nice places to be. There's a lot of land. Yeah. A lot yeah. of land for an Ivysaur out there. There's a lot of land for a sore like me. Uh, another Pokemon, Jigglypuff. Makes it. Absolutely. Kit runs against Isabel for mayor every year and loses. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. All right. Puff 2020. Nope. Joker. I, I thought I thought you were fucking with me. I'm like, get out of here. I forgot, I forgot it's Persona 5. Yeah. Um, the, the, the Joker? <laughs> I think Joker makes it. I feel like, uh, I think they have their, like, their up B has that kind of, like, rope. Um, and they're pretty mm -hmm. savvy. I think they're smart enough to get there in some way. I think so, too. Um, I think it would take a long time for Joker to, like, acclimate to the lifestyle that, that Hyrule demands. Um, yeah. But I think he could do it. I think he has like an escape artist sort of thief vibe. So he would figure out a way to make it work. But it would take longer. He wouldn't get there first. He would yeah. get there later on. I'm hopeful for him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ken. <laughs> Dies. Same, similar to Captain Falcon. Just like <laughs> too much confidence, not enough skill. Yeah. I, I mean, it, he's so high up in the air. How is he going to? I don't know. I just don't yeah. see it working out for Ken. I can see yeah. the slow propeller of his kick winding down. Oh, and then just <laughs> Oh, the humanity. Ken, Captain. Good luck, Doc. Uh, King Dedede. 
oh my god this breaks my heart but he dies he wow really dies yeah talk to me unless you two feel differently i can't i can't imagine a world without him <laughs> <laughs> full stop me too i love him i feel such a kinship with king Dedede that i might veto myself here because he can fly wait a minute he can just he's like a blimp he can yeah just fly he can there. float down yeah I, it's just a question yeah. of what happens next yeah yeah is he defeated later on that's uncertain but i think he makes it to Terrytown. yeah i mean is is this a situation in which he's on our side or is this a situation in which he's evil and so far in kirby lore that morality entirely depends on how hungry he is so that's just a big question mark there's he's a lot in of food in as a friend but he's a ticking time bomb for as soon as <laughs> yeah. he gets hungry that's yeah. another chapter in the story yeah that's that's volume two in volume one he gets to Terrytown. i okay. think we can agree yeah. uh king k rule mm, also makes it yeah yeah another more some more drama for Terrytown. it uh, literally corrupts alligator king with a musket shows up yeah <laughs> I honestly feel like King K. Rule would make it down from the tower, would not move to Tarrytown though, but would would lord over the the uh, mm. Oh yeah, yeah, he would really get well get along well with them. They're basically what the enemies are in in uh, Donkey Kong. Yeah, yeah, I see that for him. Proud of him? Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Uh, Kirby yeah. makes it. Yeah. Oh my God! There's so many. Can turn to stone. Yeah, I know. And fall this, down. this is a long. Why list. don't we do a, a lightning round where we don't explain, we just do it. Sure. Yeah. That. All right, Kirby. Would we say makes it? Makes yeah, it. Can yes. stone. Can fly. Yeah, Kirby. Yeah. Kirby is the strongest uh, character in in Super Smash Brothers. Uh, anyway, yeah. uh, Little Mac dead. Dies. Died. Absolutely dead. Lucario makes D- it. Mysterious circumstances, but he is dead. <laughs> yeah, I like that better. Next. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Lucas makes it yeah i mean you don't want to say he, he dies because he's a kid yeah it's already gotten dark oh, enough. kids are not allowed to die now Next. <laughs> <laughs> uh lucina i think makes it makes yeah. it she yeah makes it. she's uh, strong luigi dies oh. dies becomes a ghost moves to Terrytown. hang on the next one's mario i think we should talk oh. about this mario and luigi mm. Mm. i think mario's done for luigi makes it uh has, a, like has a great life yeah i can see I think Lu- luigi really thriving in Terrytown. personally me too I think Luigi has more in common with a lot of Zelda NPCs where they're kind of cowardly but lovable. Yes. And I think he does better in hardship. Mario kind of has it easy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think you're right. I think Mario dies and Luigi makes it and does well. Proud of him. Yeah. Proud of Great. him. Great. Marth dies. Yeah. He's yeah. Dead. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't feel any particular way about Marth. Yeah. Uh, Mega Man. <laughs> These are hard. This one's befuddling. I like this is the weirdest. This is the one where I feel like I realize what we're doing, and this is like nothing. Like, there's no funny answer for Mega Man. <laughs> Can we just pass? Pass, yeah. On Mega Man only. Is Mega Man hangs up on the tower. Mega Man doesn't need to eat food. Mega Man just hangs up on the tower. Yeah. Never, never. Mega leaves. Man treats it like a Mega Man level and just sort of runs around and, and fights birds. Great. I love that for him. Yeah. Uh, Meta Knight. Makes it. Yeah, absolutely. I think he More makes drama. it too. Yeah, totally. Uh, Mewtwo makes it. You know, uh, I could, mm, I could see Mewtwo going going the way of Bowser personally. Oh mm, yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, I'm not just a clone. Yeah, and Cloud. Yeah, I think he's dead. I think he's dead. Jealous clones also don't stand a chance in high. <laughs> yeah. No, believe me, I've seen how it goes. <laughs> it's not great. Uh, me brawler, me sword fighter, and me gunner. The me's all set up a stable together. Oh, oh I love that. Oh, I love cute. that. I thought that was going to get way darker. That was really, yeah, that was very nice. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, Mr. Game and Watch. Uh, 
<laughs> this is another Mega Man scenario. Mr. Game um, Watch to me builds kind of akin to Stardew Valley's wizard, builds a tower to the side of mm, Tarrytown mm. uh, where he does unspeakable things. Yeah, yeah, I like that. He's the two-dimensional terror. Yeah, the, the kids in town are told not to go near the tower. Don't go near the tower. You can only see at a certain angle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ness makes it. I think he makes it. Yeah. yeah. Captain Olimar. I think he should die. I think the Pikmin throw him off and the Pikmin make it. The Pikmin make it. Pikmin make it. Love that. The Pikmin make it. Olimar's toast. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of Pikmin, Pac-Man. I don't think, I don't, this, this to me, Pac-Man cannot exist here. (laughs) Okay. I think. And if, if you, if either of you try to put him into (laughs) Amazon, I will go there myself to scrub the earth of his visage. Pac-Man in Hyrule is kind of like Yoda in Smash Brothers. It's that sickening oh. addition where it's like, ew, why did this happen? Yeah, yeah he phases out like Toon Link. Uh, Palutena. Uh, she's yeah, like an angel, so yeah. Yeah, she's yeah. she makes it. She just goes straight up. She doesn't go down. She goes straight up into heaven. She, she, she joins the, heaven. The, <laughs> She joins the sages and the champions in like the, the sacred realm. Love basically. it. Basically. Yeah. Perf. Uh, Peach. Makes it. Makes yeah. it. Yeah, I think so too. Pichu. Dies. <laughs> okay, Pikachu makes it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, excited. I, I don't know why I'm so excited about this one, but Piranha Plant. Oh, oh, absolutely makes it. Yeah, I think Piranha Plant fits most in Hyrule out of anyone in this yeah. cast. Uh, I think they plant themselves right at Terry Town's gate and they bite who who is trouble. They keep. They're the guard. Love that. <gasps> Great. Yeah. Nice. Perfect. Uh, pit, regular pit, light pit, even. I think pit makes it. I feel bad. I feel bad for who I've murdered, and I'm feeling generous. I'll let pit make it. <laughs> Here, here, here's what I think: Pit uh-huh. moves to Cherrytown, but yeah. then he moves to LA. <laughs> <laughs> pit moves to LA, and boy, does he tweet about it. <laughs> he tags all his followers in his new address, and he's like, you know, ever since moving here, I just feel like like things I took for granted are now like my everyday life, and like it's just so cool being an angel in LA. All right. The first time I had edibles. All right. Uh, moving on. Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> Richter. Uh, I think Richter and Simon both die. They just don't have the recovery you need to get off the Great Plateau. I was going to say Richter makes it. Simon doesn't. Mm, yeah, Simon's a little bit too Conan build. Yeah. Richter is a little bit more dexterous, so he can kind of do like a, a flip and a slide out yeah. of the plateau. It read my mind. Exactly. Uh, Ridley. <laughs> the big fucking space dragon. <laughs> I think Ridley just like perks on one of the many towers in Hyrule Castle and waits for Link. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It's like, oh, great. I got a new job. I'm a boss here. Yeah. <laughs> great. Exactly. Great. Uh, I figured it out. Look uh, at me in Hyrule. <laughs> I can't. I'm um, over here. <laughs> the next character on the list is Rob. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Rob makes it. Rob Rob can go up to one of the um those labs. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Yes. Oh my god, I thing. love that. Yeah. Yeah. Rob's in the Hateno lab and like yes. you can give him pictures of flowers and he gives you like like amber. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Uh Robin. Makes it magic. They got it. Yeah, totally. Rosalina and Luma. Dead but for personal so. reasons. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Won't ask anymore. Dead. Uh Roy. Say this is your call because Roy is your Roy is my boy. 
Yeah. Uh, I I do think he uh, dies though. Yeah. I I, I, right. I was gonna say he makes it. I feel like he's scrappy. He's like a scrappy upstart. I feel like he would make it. Okay. I mean, we gotta respect I'm, Scrappy. We gotta respect Scrappy. Yeah, we'll respect Scrappy. Roy Roy lives for now. <laughs> uh, I'll let him live. Samus <laughs> makes it. Rolls down in a ball. Yeah, yeah. totally. <laughs> Easy. Easy. Shulk dead dies dead yeah, absolutely completely. Dead. no question uh yeah. simon we talked about already snake snake hides in a box on top of the plateau until it's midnight and then crawls to tarrytown and may or may not make it depending on who's out <laughs> <laughs> okay uh sonic the hedgehog uh i think we should phase him out of this too sonic in hyrule is also kind of pac-man esque yeah. Listen, I've read the fan fiction. It's just not worth having him there. <laughs> uh, Squirtle makes it. Makes we it. Love Squirtle's yeah, so we love Squirtle. tight. Yeah, Squirtle makes it. Um, Terry from Fatal Fury. <laughs> Terry, Terry makes it, and he's like, "My town." Yeah, Woo! Terry makes it. Yeah, exactly. He's scrappy. He everybody, is the everybody fucking loves Terry. He opens Terry up loves, a bar. He becomes yeah. like a barkeeper. Everyone loves to come and talk to him and have a brew. Yeah. Yeah. Terry's is the place of gossip. It's great. Yeah. Freaking love Terry. We love Terry. Everybody fucking loves Terry. He's got a cool hat. Anyway, uh, villager makes it. Yeah. Easily. Makes He's it. a village. He thrives in this environment. True. Nothing can harm you in Animal Crossing except for wasps. So the most that will happen is they get stung by bees and they show up to town looking kind of busted. But yeah. otherwise, they're fine. <laughs> uh, Wario. No one wants to My talk first about thought Wario. was dies farting. That was the <laughs> first thought. That's a bad way to go. Wait, it's written in. Done. Yeah. We Fit Trainer. Makes it. They have been training for this their whole life. They yeah. jog there. <laughs> the, yeah. Yeah. They don't even realize that there was a challenge until they look back and just see the corpses of Bowser and Ridley and, <laughs> and, and everyone Dark else. Bit and Dr. And, Mario. and Captain Falcon. <laughs> oh, oh uh, poor Captain Falcon. Wolf. Wolf dies. Wolf thinks his, that his, he does a cool jump off the plateau <laughs> thinking that the rest of the Star Wolf team will catch him as he falls and they don't show up because it's led by Pigma, who is a coward. So, Great. yeah, Damn. he dies. Um... Yoshi makes it makes it has to has to make it I think Yoshi moves into the the Lost Woods oh yeah I like that yeah I like that for Yoshi um uh uh, does Young Link count I think Young Link also fades out yeah (laughs) it's like a a paradox that would absolutely ruin everything yeah yeah exactly it would ruin everything I've seen it happen uh here's the last one uh, which kind of flies against your earlier one. Zero Suit Samus cannot roll into a ball. Mm. She's got the cool whip, though. Yeah. I think she's I think she's scrappy and dexterous enough to make it. Yeah. Okay. I want and I think her to if make we're it. Counting them. Yeah, I want her to make it, and I think she does. Okay. That's the whole list. I hope that was wow. worth it. <laughs> <laughs> it was a journey. I feel like I I feel like I did it. I think I made it. I think we all made it. <laughs> all right. Uh, <laughs> this is a question. I, I can't believe we're just moving on from that. That was only like a, mo- a minute. <laughs> Why don't we have a moment of silence for those who didn't make it? Actually, so. <laughs> great idea. <gasps> don't even breathe. <laughs> Hold your breath to mirror what Doctor Mario felt like. <laughs> okay, we got it. Um, all right. This is a fun one, uh, especially for you, Brendan. Which mm. champion would make the best Terrace House resident? Oh, man. Urbosa, you got Daruk, the Goron. Yeah. Urbosa, the Gerudo. 
Rivali, the bird, Rito, and uh, Mifa, the Zora. I have a first impulse, but this is a, a special Brendan question. I don't want to. No, 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 definitely. What, what's your Go What's your it. answer? I feel like Daruk is so chill. Yes. He would, yeah. He would. He would be a great housemate. Yeah, he would be the kind I of think... housemate who would who would move in and he would hang out for way too long. People would be like, yes. "Why is he still on the show?" <laughs> yeah. And and in the back of his head, he's like, "You're giving me free rent. I just get to hang out here for as long as I want. I have a stipend that I can spend on cool food and go hang out with cool people." And there's just a huge influx of like interesting people coming through the door as people come and go. Like, absolutely, I'm going to stay here. Um. So yeah, that's that's absolutely the answer. I do think though that Rivali and Arbosa fit a very important reality TV role as well. I completely agree. Um, yeah. Yes. Uh, but I think Daruk would make the best. Like he's the most TV friendly and ready, and mm-hmm. like is just so wholesome that that would like really add a nice lens to to a show that could have more variance. Yeah, I do um, feel like Rivali would come in with a very like very um, headstrong goal that is very difficult to achieve, and somehow do it within like four episodes, then need to leave the house immediately. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm gonna be the best archer on the planet, and then somehow actually like get the Guinness World Record and then bounce. Yeah, he's not there for love. Daruk is in. <laughs> Like in a very platonic way. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, this is something I think that's for me, but for could be for all of us. Uh, which Fire Emblem Three Houses house would Link be part of? Oh. <sighs> I it's gotta think be Blue Lions. He, yeah, I think he's Blue Lions. Blue Lions are sort of the de facto, like, I wanna say good guys, but they're also like tied to a kingdom. And I think that a lot of the Blue Lion story is about like kind of uh, overcoming grief and loss. And that's a lot of what Breath of the Wild is. So I think that he would fit right in. See, I think he's a Blue Lion personally. No argument for me. That that sounds like he fits the bill. So <laughs> That's bullshit. He's in the church. Uh, <laughs> this is probably for all of us. What is Link's astrological sign? Oh, this is hard. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say Sagittarius. It's an obvious Link because of the archer. Um, but I think that there's definitely a head first vibe to Link that lends mm-hmm. me to think about a fire sign. And I feel like Sagittarius's traditionally are more invested in figuring out how things work in the world around them than boasting themselves, which would be like more of an Aries or a Leo vibe. I align um, with that. I think that's, yeah, here's, here's my very first impulse is like, there's the, there's the link when you are not doing the A plot, when you are just yes. running around that link to me is a Libra. And I, yeah. I don't know how much I have to back that up other than it's sort of like, I'm a little bit carefree and I'm just kind of doing stuff around seeing who's around to talk to. And this is fun. Um, but I like that a lot. I think, you know, Sagittarius is kind of a classic adventurer. And I think that, you know, link is that archetype. So yeah. <laughs> I like that a lot. I, I, I w- I'll give you this. I think maybe Libra rising, Sagittarius moon. Uh, and maybe he's, a, maybe he's a Capricorn to give him kind of an uphill, uh, earthy vibe. Earth, wind, and fire, if I you will. I think there's Scorpio in his chart. <laughs> you know what? You're right. <laughs> because Silent, he's mis- mysterious. He's got, exactly. There's a little yeah. bit of mystery to him. Yeah, I like that. Let's say uh, Libra rising, Scorpio moon, Sagittarius uh, no. Sag Sun, Sag Sun, Libra Rising, Scorpio Moon. I That's love that what I would him. say. Yeah. Link, get on CoStar immediately. Yeah. So when we when were you born? Text your, text your mom. Text your mom, Link. <laughs> uh, moving on. <laughs> Why is Sidon the best NPC? 
Um, honestly, Sidon's <laughs> easily one of my favorites. There's so many reasons to immediately love him. Uh, he is like genuinely rooting for you the whole time in mm-hmm. probably what is one of the harder segments of the game. Cause like they kind of nudge you to do the Zora first. Like when you leave the great plateau yeah. and you make it, you, uh, you kind of go to the Zora domain first. And at that point you don't really have a lot of equipment. You could very easily stumble into the first Lionel as we talked about. And Sidon is kind of swimming alongside with you, rooting you on, helping you out. And like taking on, even though we sucked, we talked about the divine beast, not being the best part of the game, like gameplay wise, the story leading up to them and like teaming up with Sidon to like swim onto the, to the elephant and and do all that stuff is like really second to none like i think that that's like a really cool way i like how each divine beast you're paired with uh a new champion in memory of the old one who you get to meet once you do it like yeah the, the story elements of the beast are still very good and sidon i think is like probably the first truly friendly face you meet because you mm-hmm. meet the you meet the king, but he's kind of a grump. Uh, Sidon yeah. like welcomes you with open arms and and really keeps you going. Yeah, um, I'll just say for the my hero fans out there, he has big Lamillion vibes. Just really incredible uh, sense of optimism. Uh, again, against you know un- unbeatable odds. Uh, just just an incredible positive force. Big fan of Sidon. Agreed. You guys put it best. <laughs> we love Sidon here. Uh, and this is a fun one. How do you feel about the implied darker tone the sequel will have based on the trailer? What do you guys think? Um, I'm, hmm. Go ahead. I mean, I like a little spooky ghost. I like a little, <laughs> st- I like a a little, little sequel. <laughs> harem scarum. Um, <laughs> Honestly, I feel the same way. I, it doesn't feel like it's, you know, we talk about it an implied darker tone, it, but it doesn't seem like it's what I would fear, which would be, it's a gritty reboot, you know? Because yeah, there's, yeah. there's a difference between having a, a spooky preview and like having Link with stubble, uh, which he does in our version where Zelda has a gun. Um, <laughs> right, right. But I think, yeah. A lot of our, our fond memories of Breath of the Wild may be prancing through the meadows, but yeah, you know, I think it's not going to be without that. But I think it's cool that they're presenting sort of a a, a new threat, so you know there's something you're going up against because things seemed a little wrapped up at the end of the first one. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think it's a yeah. great point. I think, too, like, I mean, the first one's not without, like, the Blood Moons are legitimately terrifying every yeah. time oh, they yeah. happen. <laughs> uh, and I think the the implied darker tone to me is, is extremely reminiscent of Majora's Mask following Ocarina, where you kind of had, like, what follows sort of the quintessential hero's journey is, like, what do you do after that? And, and it seems like they're just sort of further experimenting in this world. Because I think, like, there's so much still to do. I think, like, everyone who's played Breath of the Wild would love to see different games in that same kind of structure. So I think, like, all we really know is that Zelda has short hair, they're both in a cave, and Ganon's back. And I've heard actually some people be like, oh, like, it's kind of boring that Ganon is the villain again. I don't feel that way at all. I think there's so much, especially this game treats Ganon more as like an existential threat versus a character. Um, yeah. It's not like, you know, in, in other games, like in Ocarina, he's kind of like an anime villain playing the organ as you climb his tower. Mm-hmm. And he's like, ha, 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 ha. Uh, but wow, that I always surprise myself with what things I can do well. And it's like <laughs> Ganon's laugh and the low-voiced Animal Crossing villager. But uh, yeah, I think 
I would actually love to see different terrain. I think like even just the idea of like spelunking is cool. Like if they want to yeah. more of like an underground yeah, setting. Totally. Uh, I know you like spelunking, Brendan. Uh, sure do. Yeah, I'm wondering spelunk. if this is going to be like a um, an Ashen Wolves, like the abyss under <laughs> Garrick Mock the whole time. <laughs> like, oh, do you know there's a whole series of tunnels under Hyrule? Uh, or like a whole all, second. All the NPCs are goth. Yeah. Yeah. It's just Terrytown, but they all have bangs over their eyes and they're like, hey. <laughs> or what if it was kind of adjacent to Gravity Rush 2 where there's an entire like second city underground or like an entire second Hyrule I mean, or something? I would love that. Like, I think I think there's so much, even though there's so much lore in Breath of the Wild, there's still so much they can do. And I'm, I'm just sort of like, whether it's darker or not, I think like I trust that they're going in a direction that will be really interesting and, and fresh. And I think that's the way to do it. You know, we, yeah. don't, we don't want more of the same because it won't be as special. Right. Um, so yeah, I'm excited for whatever it is. I think if it's, if it's a little bit darker, like Majora's Mask was, I'm totally on board for that. What did you name your horses is the next question. Here's what I named my horses. You ready for this? Okay. First of all, the big horse, that's a, the most important horse to me. Named it Tonka. Tonka the truck. <laughs> all right. Then, uh, you get the, the fancy white horse from that, that quest. Y'all remember that? Yes. Named Ganon Jr. And <laughs> I've got... Old blue motor horse with the umlauts over all the O's. And uh, this one's for Steven. Shoegaze. That's my first horse. Awesome. I feel completely uh, touched and overwhelmed. That was amazing. <laughs> um, mine were Maureen, uh, gentle, average stats. Malibu, also gentle, average stats. Has bangs obscuring his eyes. Very kind of West Coast vibe. And then Romeo, the best stats. But the game shows Malibu as my final horse against Ganon. Oh, so. yeah. It's whoever you leave out of the stable, I think. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think Romeo was jealous because his, his temperament was wild. But I, alas. <laughs> uh, how about you, Brendan? I didn't have any horses. Oh, oh. a horseless one. Yeah. The horse with no <laughs> The name. horseless one, yeah. Ah, yes, the horseless one. Uh, moving on. Uh, what was your favorite outfit? Uh, a lot of people ask this. Um, versions of it. Oh, uh, my favorite outfit, I think, for utility was like the Hylian tunic and pants and the climbers bandana. That was like mm. my general go-to mm. look. I also love yeah. the Zora armor because you can swim up the waterfalls. Yeah, that was that was helpful armor to have for me. Yeah. Uh, it was Hylian hood, Hylian pants, uh, ancient armor, Ooh, torso. Very cool. Um, just the highest yeah, stats. I, would... <laughs> <laughs> I was just straight up in the climbing gear for most of the game. Um, yeah. Aviator sunglasses, two guns, no shirt. Tattoo that says shut up. <laughs> I'm a gamer to somewhere. Uh, anyway. Uh, okay, cool. Moving on. Oh, this is a final one. Which village would you live in in Hyrule? Oh. Oh, I mean, I think I know your answer, Brendan. Brendan, what's your answer? It's Tarrytown. Oh, it's Tarrytown. <gasps> <laughs> No, yeah, I think we all we don't want to live in Terrytown. It's Terrytown. But if I, I had to pick a different choice, uh, I mean, I really liked Link's house in in Hateno Village. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I think Kakariko Village was my favorite mm. vibe. Yeah. Same. It might have to be Kakariko Village, especially because like that that just had the most sense of place for me. Whenever I had to like cook or buy items, I always went there. Yeah. And over anywhere else. I also love Rito Village. I really liked yeah. the music. That was my second choice. Village. So I would probably have like my permanent house in Kakariko <laughs> Village, and I would have like a summer house in Rito Village because <laughs> it gets cold up there. <laughs> 
Um, let's see. Please do a bonus episode about Terrytown. You're in luck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did you guys do the DLC? Is it worth it? I haven't, from what I've told, absolutely. It seems like there's one that's like kind of a gauntlet of challenges and you get a lot of cool equipment and then one that's more story-based with the champions. So I will definitely get it eventually and probably we could talk about it again. Yeah. But how about you two? Did you guys uh, do it? I would I would love to talk about it at some point. I haven't done the actual uh, like quest-based stuff, but what I did do was uh, really dove deep into all of the treasure hunting stuff. I love mm. the treasure hunts. Um, it just feels very uh, like Tomb Raider-y in a way that I really appreciated. Because um, a lot of it is just like remembering things about the world, which is really exciting. Uh, so it's like, okay, where's a place that has four waterfalls stacked up on top of one another? And, you know, <laughs> go, to, go to the third waterfall and then find the chest in there uh, to get Midna's hat or something. Uh, it's great. It's really Midna. fun. Uh, that and then yeah. also the uh, the uh, fast travel coin that I was talking about before also comes from that first DLC. I'm very interested in that coin. I haven't yeah. gotten the DLC yet. I'm planning on getting it when I am bored of all the games I do have, but not before then, if that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It would be a good way to revisit this game with something fresh, too. Yeah. Uh, uh, favorite character. Uh, this is a tough one. I got to say Zelda. I think Zelda is... Given the best moments, the best writing, I really loved her character and like she is who the story is about. Honorable mention to Sidon, of course. <laughs> um, this is a really hard question. Yeah. I, my, the big horse? <laughs> <laughs> also love Beetle, obviously, the traveling merchant. Yes, um, yeah. we love Beetle. Beetle's I mean, there's so many great stock characters that like it's hard to choose the main ones because like. It's almost like the ensemble is the star, just like the random villagers that are yeah. like, ah! <laughs> I think I, I, you know, my my favorite character was uh, Link because I got to be him. <laughs> um, my I think favorite character Cass. is me. Cass? Oh, Cass. oh, Cass is so good. Yeah. yeah. I love them. Big fan yeah. of Cass. Cass, Sidon, and Zelda, I think, cover the, like, why... Cass, Zelda, and... What, what about the, the, the little girl in Terrytown who like won't eat anything until she eats a disgusting cake and then she just insults you every time you talk to her after that? <laughs> I found her extremely relatable. That's my I'll favorite character. Yeah. yeah, she rules. <laughs> cool. Uh, a lot of great characters. But yeah, I would say Zelda was the one. And that seems like a boring answer, but like I, I, I was really blown away with how they, were, they treated her in this game. Cool. Uh, this is kind of one we already answered. Link can only make grab aerials while shield surfing. If you can give him one extra move from the Tony Hawk Pro Skater series, which one would it be? Christair. Yeah, Christair. Christair. Next Easy. question. Next <laughs> Next question. Uh, Steven, can you hum your favorite track from the soundtrack? Sassy trombone. Sassy trombone. What's your favorite dish to make for game reasons, and which would you want to eat in the so-called real life? Quote, unquote. I'll be pounding those mighty bananas. Yeah, we fry them up. That's good. <laughs> makes, you, makes you strong. <laughs> <laughs> what I want to eat. eat? I would want to eat a meat skewer. I'm really fucking hungry right now. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all like got winded after the Smash Brothers question. We're all like hungry and tired. We're all, all like when Link a stick of dripping meat. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't wait for. I wouldn't wait to cook it. I'd go up to a boar and just take a big chunk out of the side. <laughs> I think I made a lot of the uh, extra recovery salads, like the hearty truffles and the yeah. radishes yeah. in the game. Um, but the thing I would want to eat is that egg tart. That egg tart looks great. A lot yeah. of the desserts. Yeah. yeah. 
Next. How about uh, yeah. Brendan? Do you have one? Let's go to the next one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, I like the food. The food's good. <laughs> Listen, I'm too hungry. If we keep talking about food, I'm gonna eat my phone. What's the Dreamcast of the Hollywood film adaptation look like? Oh my god. <sighs> I think cast Link is an unknown. I know that defeats the question, but I think any celebrity playing Link would be distracting to his like kind of neutral persona that the audience could put themselves in. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, I think uh, uh, John Goodman as Daruk. <laughs> I was going to say good. The Rock as Daruk. Oh, no, you're right. The Rock would be much more charming, I think, as Daruk. Yeah, I like that. Hmm. I think Cillian Murphy as Rivali would be good. Oh, yeah. Kind of has that. He has that, that sort vibe. of flippant noble kind of vibe. Yeah. Um, I would say Florence Pugh or Tessa Thompson for Zelda. Oh, wow. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, um, and uh, Goku for Link. All right. <laughs> Honestly, I'll go ahead and say it. Goku for Prez. <laughs> Finally. Someone has the courage. Oh my god. This is this is the only other this is my immediate thought and it's not a main character at all but when you're in Zoro's domain and there's the kind of advisor to the king who's like I don't think Link yeah. should be allowed to do that's Willem Dafoe. <laughs> and that was that was my only impulse for casting. Just I think dressed Tim exactly Robinson, like he is an Aquaman. Yeah. Yeah. I think Tim Robinson should be Beetle. Like, "Oh my god, I told you that already." I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. This is a fun one. We're we're getting near the end. This is this is one of my favorite questions, which I think we might have touched on. But anyway, if you had to recommend a Zelda game to someone new to the franchise, would you go for Breath of the Wild or something in the classical template? A lot of what people love about Breath of the Wild is how it breaks from the mold and plays with convention. So sometimes I think having the context of older games enhances the experience. Mm. It's also quite mechanically dense and freeform. So I think Ocarina may still be the best entry point as it is a little bit more guided. What do you reckon? Um, I mean, I think we've talked about, like, Sadie, you're saying how this is your first one and it, mm-hmm. it kind of worked amazingly well as that uh, for reasons you pointed out. I think uh, for me, having played more of it, it's it's Breath of the Wild is a great one to start with because I think it is so adaptable to what you want it to be. Um, I think people play this game a variety of different ways and, and that really makes it shine. Um, I do think it makes it hard to go back, though. I think it's hard mm. to revisit past entries after experiencing this because it feels mm. like this is what they always wanted to do. I will um, jump off of that really quick to say that right when I finished Breath of the Wild, I started playing the Link's Awakening remake. And it, I, it, because I was like, oh, yes, more Zelda games for me to play. And I was like, what is this? Why can't I jump? It spoiled it a little bit for me. So that, that could be a point against having Breath of the Wild be your starting point. Yeah, I think it depends on on how invested you are in getting to know the series. I would say, personally, Breath of the Wild is the one to play if you're going to play any of them. And mm-hmm. if you really want to see more, uh, I would say check out Ocarina just for like the story. Um, and maybe Wind Waker, because Wind Waker, I think, comes closest to having this more open formula. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, any, anything to add to that, Brendan? Yeah, I'm always going to say uh, Link Between Worlds. Great. Oh, that's a great, great video one. game. And that's a very unique one, too. That has the, the free form of Breath of the Wild with, with a nod to the older style. Yeah. That's actually a great entryway if you want to see what the 2D ones are like. I agree. Uh, okay, we're at the final group of questions. I think we're going to have a lot of fun with these. Um, <laughs> okay. A number of people asked versions of these. One, who is your crush in Breath of the Wild? 
Two, if you could only date one character in the entire game, who would it be? And what's your dream Hyrule date? It's Lady Urbosa because mm. she's the best. Yeah. And I love her. She's so strong and she's cool. <laughs> she's very cool. She reminded me of Meg from Hercules a little bit. I yeah. actually looked up to see. It wasn't the same voice actor, but she kind of has the like, hey, farm boy. Like, you know, yeah, I love oh my that. God. Like, Just absolutely. I'm yeah. fanning myself over here. Ooh, me too, la. honestly. <laughs> Urbosa is a great pick. What do you think your dream date would look like? Where would you go and what would you do? Oh, boy. I don't know. I feel like we could just ride a couple sand seals around and <laughs> go, go check out some ruins, hang out by one of the cool statues and be like, this is nice. We go, yeah. oh my God, they it's, uh, they have that bar, that really cool bar. They have a, the craft cocktails in Gerudo Town. <laughs> where I could, could go get that. What is that craft cocktail called? I know what you're talking about. Is it the one with like dragon fruit in it? Yeah, and it's like it's it's everybody just talks about how good it is. Yeah, we would get that because that's already a date that I would go on. Is like let's go get the most expensive cocktail with the most ingredients together because <laughs> yeah. I am a, a monster. <laughs> so yeah, I think that would be delightful. We just talk about life. I'm done doing that voice. <laughs> no, I love it. That was great. What's your answer, Brendan? Um, oh, this is hard. I think it's Prince Sidon, and I take him as high up in the air as we can possibly go. <laughs> you get as high as possible with Sidon. Yeah. Okay, well, I was torn between Sidon and Zelda, and I feel like such a schmuck saying Zelda is my date, because what the fuck? As if I deserve her presence. But honestly, if I'm being honest, my dream date in Hyrule would be just like on a hike with Zelda, looking at frogs and nature. That would be... That'd be the best. That's so um, nice. Yeah. I would just like that memory where she's like, look at this frog. And like kind of weird is like the whole day. That's what I would want. Yeah. Um, and just kind of soak in the, the wild and hopefully not run into a Lionel uh, with nothing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, a side on honorable mention and maybe like play Magic the Gathering with Beetle or something. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> this is the final question. It's my favorite question. It's a great note to end on. Um, I also want to thank you, Sadie, for joining us today. This is a lot of fun. It's been so uh, much fun. Thank you both for having me. Love the show. Of course. If you're listening to this podcast, you should check out the podcast you're listening to. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Uh, and with that, the last question. <laughs> Whose sword is it anyway? <laughs> um, it's a uh, it's a game where the rubies don't matter. <laughs> Colin Mockery fan cast. He's he's Link. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, Colin Mockery as Link and uh, oh my God. Uh, Greg, Greg Proops as Ganon <laughs> and Drew Carey as the Beetle. Oh, oh, I man. love that. Uh, I think that's it. Those are all <laughs> yeah. the questions. Um, thank you all to all who asked. They were so much fun. I'm sorry I couldn't get to all of them. Uh, we even had to kind of go into a lightning round near the end based on how long it was taking. But that was so fun. My laptop and literally crashed while we were recording. Yeah, we. <laughs> this has been a, a, a tumultuous recording. The but Smash Bros. were, they overpowered your, your computer. <laughs> I think we didn't make it. Yeah. There, once we got to Mega Man, we all felt sick. <laughs> <laughs> I felt the bile rising up. 
Oh my god. But yeah, uh just this is a lot of fun, both of you. And and to all you listening, thank you for continuing to listen. Uh we're happy to do these bonus episodes and uh I think we should thank our patrons because we didn't do that in the beginning. Yeah. Do you have the list, Brendan? I have to I have to try and open it without my laptop collapsing in on itself okay. oh, no. like a dying star. Like <laughs> burnt too quickly, faded too soon. Thank you so much to Akira, Alex, Andrew D, Andrew D, Ariel, Bede, Benjamin D, Benjamin W, Bolt, Brendan, Brett, Catherine, Christopher, David, Dennis, Elliot, Hilton, Inez, Jason, Jeff, Josh, Cameron, Connor, Kieran, Kim, Kyle, Mark, Marcel, Marianne, Melly Muffin Pie, Micah, Min, Murray, No Name, Naomi, Pablo, uh, Philip, Robert, Sloop, Peasy, Scout, Shelly, Skin Tight Alloy, Spencer, Trevor, and Will. Uh, thank you all so much for backing the thank show. You. Uh, you can back the show by thank going to patreon.com slash into the cast. And uh, as we've mentioned in the past couple episodes and worth mentioning again, if backing our Patreon in any way, shape or form uh, hurts you financially in this uh, time of, um, I don't know, just kind of like tumultuous everything. Uh, Calamity? Yeah. In, <laughs> yes. For uh, real. I, I would recommend not backing our Patreon. Um, I yeah. know that might seem strange, but um, please, please, please do not uh, break the bank literally at all for our podcast. Uh, give it to somebody who needs it or keep it for yourself if you need it, please. But uh, that said, thank you to everybody who is backing the show currently. And uh, yeah, what else? What else is there? Oh, we have a Twitter account at Into the Cast. Uh, we have a Twitch account at Into the Cast, uh, and we also have a Discord that you can join. Spit.ly/twg/discord. Thank you so much to everyone who submitted questions through there and on Twitter. Um, it means a lot that everybody's listening and wanted this episode. Uh, and thank you so much, Sadie, for coming and joining us for, uh, and being thank our first you. official guest. Sadie. It's been Yay. a delight. Yay! Yay. Um, uh, and with that, yeah. oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to uh, ask Sadie where we can uh, find her work on the internet. Where can you we can find, find you? me on twitter.com at Sadie Posting. And anything I'm doing right now is going to end up there. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Hell yeah. Cool. Awesome. How about you, Steven? You can find me at twitter.com uh, at Steven Hilger, I think. <laughs> just yeah. go to Twitter. Just go to Twitter. I'll have retweeted something from Steven. So go to my Twitter. You can find Steven that way. I'm the town next to Sadie's shrine, basically. You'll find me <laughs> by teleporting there. Great. Perfect. Uh, awesome. And I, I'm I'm online as Ben and <laughs> Creep. Creep. Uh, thanks so much, everybody, for listening. And uh, see you next time. <laughs> See you next time. Oh, Say it, don't spray it. <laughs> Bye. See ya. Bye.